everybody, and welcome to episode 494 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez, coming to you from the Eric C. Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. Hey, Eric C., yeah, you know me. If you want to be the U Memorial... I'm going to alter to Eric C. Ecto Cooler for this episode. Okay, yes, Eric C. Ecto Cooler. Excellent. Very on point. If you want to be the U Memorial Studio of the Airwaves, go to patreon.com slash laser time. Join us at the $20 level. Now that I've had the mnemonic read out of the way, who else is joining me? Uh, Forever Dickless, Chris Atherton and Teaston. And Mnemonic Ponic, Matthew Allen. Uh-huh. Going and, for Satanic Panic. And special guest, the heart of the Ghostbusters, Dan Amrick. Yes, Hello. Oh, there yes absolutely. There uh, oh. And Dan, Dan, where else can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm pretty much everywhere as Dan Amrick, one word, D-A-N-A-M-R-I-C-H. But mostly, you will find me on Twitter, where I complain a lot, and uh, Twitch, where I play Pac-Man 99 a lot. I found the one game I'm good enough to stream, and it's Pac-Man 99. So I'm on twitch.tv slash Dan Amrick every once in a while. Going to be doing Extra Life this year, though, so that's the first time for me. I got to tell you, uh, Palette Swap Ninja. um, Oh, yeah. Met someone who's incredibly into Star Wars and incredibly into the Beatles and didn't know it existed. And I'm like, here, you got to hear this. And then like, that's amazing. Like, I know that guy. I'm like, no, no, you don't. Like, yeah. Like, like I <laughs> no, bother him to that be on That guy's a celebrity. You don't know um, him, you faker. Yeah, like, this is like millions of views. Like, I know it's because it's really good. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, if you haven't, if you're not aware of Palette Swap Ninja, Princess Leia's Nolan Death Star Plans, uh, actually, bit.ly slash Star Wars Beatles, all over case. That will take you to the YouTube videos. You can watch the entire parody album, and there's links there to download it for free. So are we at, at three Hamill tweets about this at this point? Um, yeah, yeah, just nice. uh, just three Hamill tweets. Uh, just. But, uh, well, the first one was during the launch, and then the one that surprised us was like three months later, and then six months after that, nine yeah. months later, Mark Hamill was still tweeting and saying, man, this is really good. So we were just like, <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe it! I mean, as much as people our age think we love the Beatles, I'm sure he loves them more than <laughs> he, we can understand. He's always said the Beatles, he understands Star Wars fans because mm. the Beatles was his Star Wars. So go. while he's like, mm. I, because I'm too close to it, I don't I don't get Star Wars the way that other mm. people do. But I absolutely understand the passion and the drive and the obsession because that's what the Beatles were to my generation just 10 years earlier. So Right. Um, I, I have yes. a way, by the way, to bring this all back to Halloween, our spooptober theme. I found this out today. I did not know that young Frankenstein's Peter Boyle was like best friends with the Beatles' John, John Lennon, Lennon to the point like one was what well, yeah wow. best man at his wedding. <laughs> I, I didn't did know, know that. that I saw either. this picture. Yeah. I was like, uh, what? Everybody loves Raymond's dad was best man at John <laughs> Lennon's wedding. <laughs> yeah. So Beatles Halloween with young Frankenstein. I'm getting us back at there. John too. Lennon's Thank spooky you. wedding. Yes. Do you oh no? I mean, uh, that's probably how she sang at that wedding. If she did, probably, it. probably. Oh, oh, she oh, has oh, a lot of range. Dan has uh, to be uh, here because, unlike our Ghostbusters two conversation on thirty twenty ten, he wants to talk about Ghostbusters in what form? Are you going to call me out as a Ghostbusters two hater? No, because it does I, everything wrong. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> this is back when you were way busier as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I think I, I'm I'm a I'm a purist for the original thing. I, I'm, extreme is fine. Real is fine. Afterlife is fine. I even got a few chuckles out of answer the call. But Ghostbusters two is like we're creatively bereft. Bring in the baby. <laughs> so I, I just, this is I the one up. where we wear the sequel logo on our sleeves. Yeah, it just it it seems it really try hard. That said. Peter McNichol steals the show, and uh, everybody yes. else is like buzzing of flies to him. 
Oh, fantastic. And, and, and the, yes. the, the, the Bobby Brown song. And, and I just want to say, it's, it's like, it's a good time to be a Ghostbusters fan after a really, I think, toxic period where it was sort of embarrassing. But, like, there there is only one true great movie. And I'm with you. I love to. I'll watch it after one all the time. But you can see its flaws. It's like, it treats, yeah. it treats four years later as if it was a 30-year gap. Like everybody <laughs> forgot right. what they did. I, I saw it in theaters and people cheered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, five I, years I later, came up. It feels like it's thirty years because those were New York minutes. Ah. Hey, there we go. Ah. There we go. But um, sometimes, and I love talking about this. Mediums outside of films are better to properties than the movies themselves, and I think Ghostbusters can say that about its comics and about its cartoons. And what are we talking about today? <laughs> Ghostbusters video games. Ghostbusters yeah. uh, video games. It's it's oh. it's on theme for October. Dan is a massive Ghostbusters fan, and I had a lot of fun combing through the ones that I remember the best from. Like there have been there have been a ton. There have been a lot of Ghostbusters video games. Uh, I I can count on one hand, and I will the ones that are any good. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them, but not a lot of them are memorable or all mm. that fun. Yeah, uh, I mean, my can I establish my Ghostbusters credit? Of course. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, this was my life when I was thirteen. It came out in the movies. It's all I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Like I looked forward to it forever. The song was on repeat forever on the radio. It was number one for several weeks, and it was just like I just I fell in love with the concept of supernatural janitors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so when I was old enough to when I realized, wait a minute, I I'm still dressing up for Halloween, but now I can use power tools. Uh, Kat, my wife, uh, and Andy Eddy, who, of course, was editor of Video Games Computer Entertainment and, and was at GamePro before I was. Titan AE. Uh, That's what I call them. I used to go over, yeah, I used to go over to his house, like, every weekend, and his neighbor had power tools, and we would hang out with him, too, and I was like, you know, I want to make Ghostbusters packs, and this was 1999, so the internet was still young, and there were people posting... Uh, plans for how to make your own Ghostbusters pack. So we built three packs uh, out of, like, plywood instead of balsa wood, like idiots. Uh, It took several weeks, but I was thrilled, and, you know, we came pretty close. It was not, you know, what what you could now get with uh, perfect resin and 3D printed parts and, you know, Mm. fans thinking, like, if I'm not spending what I would spend on my first car, then it's not (laughs) a real pack. I mean, there's the the gatekeepers are complete assholes in the Ghostbusters prop community. So I don't talk to a lot of them anymore because they just, like, turn up their nose. Um, my original pack lasted me about 10 or 12 years. I've seen it. Cake pan, bike grips, you know, it fell apart. I replaced it with one when I was in L.A. Uh, by somebody who just did them on the side online. And I found out later on that he was an actual Hollywood prop oh, maker yeah. who was doing this on the side. If you saw Iron Man, the guy that made my pack is the guy that made... Tony Stark's license plates. Oh, so, nice. Uh, I mean, like, he was doing small stuff, but on the side, he was like, I want to get my, my act together. So mm-hmm. he got a lot of positive press because it was one of those, like, stufficanafford.com or dudeiwantthat.com kind of coverage. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all of the other home propers were like, this guy doesn't deserve any attention. He's not doing them accurately, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to him. I was like, dude, I really like your work, but there are a couple of details that matter to me that are missing. Could you, would you be willing to do a custom pack for me? And he goes, actually, I want to do those accents on every pack, but yes. So he gave me a really good deal. We worked together instead of me oh, yeah. dragging him through the mud. 
And the other prop people, I was like, well, guess what? I ordered one from them. Oh, you're you're going to be sorry. You wasted your money. And how dare you not support somebody from the community? It takes a very long time. I'm working at Activision. He rolls up. He's like, your pack is ready. I gave you a discount because it took longer, but I really refined yours. I got lights and sounds, which I couldn't do myself. Damn. And he rolls up in the Nova from Death Proof. What? Damn. <laughs> which was just his car. And he's like, well, I'm in the middle of tinkering with it. So I decided while it was all, you know, like in Bondo and, and Matt Black, I figured I might as well just, you know. So he had like the skull and crossbones on the car. And I was like, oh, wow. oh my God, this is amazing. Pulls out the most beautiful pack I've ever seen. So then I post it online. You know, my wife's a photographer. She takes the pictures of me in the pack, and it looks fucking Hollywood perfect and gorgeous. And all the same haters are like, well, I mean, I guess that's okay, but that's not what was in the pictures. And I mean, I suppose, you know, because you told him what it, you know, like, yeah. just, I'm like, okay, then fuck you. And I just don't <laughs> talk to them anymore. Instead, uh, this is the first year in our new house. We are going to be doing, like, both Kat and I now have jumpsuits. We only have the one pack because she's like, <laughs> have fun with your back. Um, so we're going to greet all the kids and, you know, like give them ghost tests and, you know, PKE meter and the oh, whole nice. thing. So yeah. we, we get to play, we finally in a neighborhood where we can play along with trick or treaters. So yeah, I've been a, I've been one of those embarrassing Ghostbusters fans for, for many, many years, uh, but it has been hard of late with all the toxic masculinity and yeah, answer the call could have been better, but it actually has some very funny yeah. moments and it, there was just there's so many issues around. It, I don't even want to get into it. It's, it's, uh, at the end of the day, it's too long. That's the only reason I haven't been able to like revisit it. It's much. it's true. If it needs an editor and it needed yeah. refinement, it could have been hilarious. Instead, it was just okay and mm -hmm. had a few bright moments. And yeah, yeah. well, but, like everybody was all bent out of shape about you know, oh, it's women. It's just like the actresses were f perfect. Like they yeah. they were great. They just had shit material to work with. Yeah, they did what they could with what they had. Mm -hmm. uh, These are all and... wickedly accomplished comedians. Like, they, mm -hmm. are, they are good at what they do. The same dudes screaming, women can't be Ghostbusters, are the same dudes that are like, yo, DeviantArt, can you draw, like, mm -hmm. a girl in, like, a Ghostbusters jumpsuit, but, like, it's zipped open half the way, mm -hmm. and her, 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 her hooters are hanging out, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> that's okay for women to be Ghostbusters if yes. you, like, sexify the male costumes. Yeah, the show is, it's like the a pinup girl thing. You just yeah. heard Dan Amrick say Hooters. The show is free. Okay. <laughs> I, I've always been astounded when you look at the first Ghostbusters. Hooters. <laughs> in, in order to recreate it, there's like, that first movie is technically like a really ugly film. What do you mean? I mean, just like, it's just like the gross. 84, the, the Ivan Reitman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it, yeah. it has that sort of 80s fantasy movie jank with the stop motion creatures and like the oh yeah the the like oh, no, not, you know post-production proton streams criticizing and... the special effects i'm just like mm. well if my 4k copy it just doesn't look very good in the locations it's it's shot like a comedy because it's supposed to be right and, and but it's and such was... a love letter in new york though yeah, yeah and as somebody who used to live in new york i like i do I, I ghostbusters came out before i lived in new york but once i lived in new york i was like i'm going to the new york public library you know, I'm going here. I'm I'm doing this, and I recognize this. Oh, I know where they shot that. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah. You can go to the Ghostbusters firehouse, the yep. exterior, Northmore and Varick. Take the two subway and experience New York as it is intended. You can knock on the door, and they do love to hear from Ghostbusters fans. They will let you in, and they do sell an exclusive T-shirt for the firehouse. Every firehouse wow. in New York, a lot of them have merch, and mm. they hook and ladder number eight has a special Ghostbusters logo on their shirt and the original. Ghostbusters sign from oh, uh, cool. yeah inside uh, they're very proud so anyway mm. 
So anyway, yeah, Ghostbusters. You, you will get to to visit the the firehouse virtually in a couple of the games mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about. And I, I want to say one thing. One of the reasons that we're doing this, we we'd been planning to do this a while, but this nicely dovetailed with the release of Ghostbusters: Spirits Unleashed. Or Ghostbuster is spirit is unleashed according to the message that pops up when you finish the tutorial and they put okay. apostrophes in there for some reason. Oh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that game that game is actually great. Uh, I really enjoyed playing it. It would probably be number two on our list, except that I have a hard and fast policy of like we should not put new releases on the top five because they need time to breathe. They, we need time to assess their cultural impact. Right. So even if, by the way, that the tooltip was written by someone on Twitter <laughs> who has their name followed by a random string of numbers, because those are the apostrophe s people. Yeah. Every time you use a plural, I'm, I'm not going to say they're magas, just, but those surprised. are the magas. Well, one, one, I think it's so weird. Like um, Ghostbusters has been around for can we say almost fifty years? Jesus. It's no, not 50 years. No, it's Please, do not put me in the ground. 50 Barely years would be 1972. Years. But like all yeah, the games... 38 years. All the game releases are front-loaded at the beginning and... I don't want to say the end, but now. Like, there's been yeah. more Ghostbusters well, releases they've recently. Been, they've been spread out across the decades. Well, no, no, no. Talk I think about the 1632-bit era skipped them entirely. And no, no, like, no. There are some 16-bit no, no. games. Once the, uh, there was, yeah, there was a Genesis one, remember? Yeah. And I know, but the big, then you big encephalitic heads of Bill Murray. But then and... you jump to like the iPhone era, and there's uh, been yeah. I mean, 20. I suppose yeah. It's it's more in like it, it did. There was a fallow period, right? Mm. <laughs> and and I think that's just because the nostalgia hadn't kicked in. There yeah. was like you know nerds like me, but right. yeah, when they started talking about we're going to do another Ghostbusters game, and people started to go, remember Ghostbusters? Who's, who's doing that license? And, and uh, you know you had who was the uh, the European developer as a Polish developer that did that whole spec thing and said mm-hmm. look we've got a Ghostbusters came and they released the footage but they didn't have the license mm-hmm. it was a fish to try to get the license right. and then Columbia went that looks real good we're gonna go to another developer and do another <laughs> game with them you know and that like but everybody was like yeah that was great and they're like great thanks for proving the concept and those poor people got nothing but I, I think that's that's um, the odd tragedy about it is because like I, I like to use aliens as an example of like. Alien and Predator have been better served by games than they have been by movies traditionally. It's true, and and true. I think Ghostbusters could have been that too. Dave and I streamed the Answer the Call Activision licensed tie-in game that they didn't send to reviewers. We somehow was that Sanctum of Slime? No, it was no. just called Ghostbusters. It was just called Ghostbusters, and like it, it got it didn't send review codes. Somehow we got a code. It became our yeah. highest viewed stream, like hundreds of thousands of views. Because people gave because you're the only people covering. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think because like the public gave a shit about Ghostbusters games, whereas I can right. understand if you're IGN, like I don't. It got really bad reviews, so I can understand why you know this isn't going to float your traffic volume based boat. I don't think I even played that. It's, I didn't yeah, know it it's not. It's, I wonder if it's in my Steam library because I still get Activision. I, I guarantee was, they have to have dropped the license by now because all that, that... That was, yeah, one word. Like, they did not even try to replicate the characters from the movie. No. It was just, you play as their four trainees who talk about them in reverent, breathless tones as oh. our mothers. And it's, it's almost like a caricature of feminist, some of the dialogue. Uh, and... And then, like, this, yeah, they're, they're just like off. Oh, they're off saving the world in Washington D.C. They won't appear in this game at all. <laughs> okay, this is what uh, Matt back me up. This is what we call a Minnesota fastball oh. in Activision. 
because uh, that's where they were developed, and anything yeah. that was like, we've got a license, we've got to use it, it came out of the Minneapolis offices. Well, the, yeah, the mm-hmm. Minneapolis offices traditionally were all the um, Cabela hunting games. Ah. It was Activision's value line games, yeah. and then eventually they offloaded more development to that site and at one point i feel like act like the santa monica activision was like we do call of duty everything else activision goes out of minneapolis like it, it was a yeah. whole deal so. and, I, and i just to compare it to another one of my favorite franchises that i wish would combine themselves we we live now in a very franchisey world like you're more likely to get another movie if you've already been a movie yet we also live in a world where all these corporate acquisitions have made sony a very small company and uh, I, I see you see them now trying to gather their Ghostbusters bearings. But Activision also made a Men in Black game, which is also a Sony movie property. And I just they were talking about tying that into Twenty One Jump Street. And like, what about Ghostbusters? Why shouldn't the Ghostbusters meet the Men in Black? Like the classy suited guys versus the underclass, uh, underpowered Ghostbusters guys. Aliens die, become ghosts, and who are you gonna call? Will? Um, <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that movie was called Ready Player One. Stop it. Uh, well, but any- <laughs> one side there are feds, they're agents, right. and the other side are janitors, right? So, mm-hmm. they, you know, that, that's yeah. why it's someone a little, little bit different. Clean up after someone else. And since we're on the point of them janitors, I love in the new game that uh, when your Ghostbusters, oh, it's a co-op game, when your Ghostbusters enter the building, they bring along this gear cart that looks suspiciously like, you know, the things janitors push around with, like, the garbage cans and stuff and cleaning like supplies. Like the, the mascot of Cracked push, pushes around like that... Kind yes, of, yeah. very little, much little like cleaning that. cart, yeah. but with computer or, or new shit Jack on. Matt. <laughs> the one line in the new, I just played about an hour of the of uh, of Spirits Unleashed, but uh, you know Dan Aykroyd returns to to voice oh. Ray. Ray Stance is my favorite character in the mm-hmm. whole thing, uh, and he does say he's like I always. At one point, you can go over to him and just get him to you know crack wise, and he just goes. I always saw that you know Ghostbusters were sort of pirate, uh, uh, you know, public servants, you know, like like teachers or custodians, and I was like. Exactly. Like, I, I it was yeah. so validating to, for me to hear him say Ghostbusters are supernatural custodians because that's, to me, that was always the appeal. These were, you know, Ivy League scientists, but they turn into garbage men. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and, and, and there's something beautiful and about they, that. And they there's something eternal and easy about that. Tens of thousands of dollars for destroying your hotel. There's a whole movie in between one and two. Yeah, right. they weren't, like, compensated for taking care of Gozer. And they probably got more calls with people wanting to meet them than they did get money. So, that, like, struggling to get money would have been a good follow-up to Ghostbusters mm-hmm. films. We got rid of all the yeah. goddamn ghosts. Like, and yeah. we got sued we by got the sued city. By the city. Mm-hmm. That was that was canon. It was, you know, yeah. That that's why they were rude. Anyway, all right, we've got games let's, to talk. Yeah, about. Yeah, let's get into the top five. Beginning with number five, Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> You can tell from Dan's face that did not sound good over there. No, but is <laughs> that what internet. I think is is that the largest physical game on our list? Uh, possibly, and that it came on five point twenty five inch floppies. Oh no, okay, then it's not what I'm thinking. Oh, okay. Look, well, uh, five point twenty five inches is fine for a floppy, Michael. Uh-huh. In fact, that's pretty generous. That's, no, for that's a pretty good floppy. Um, yes, all, all of us forty plus <laughs> men agree. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask George or R. R. Martin. Anyway. Uh, so yes, this is this is the 1984 Ghostbusters that came to computers when the movie, like right after the movie, it was like one of the first pieces of Ghostbusters merchandising. 
And it came to the Commodore 64, which we just heard. It came to Apple II. And it later, over the, the ensuing years, came to several different systems. So most people might be more familiar with a version that sounds like this. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah, this is the NES version, like, that you're hearing gameplay there. It is mostly just Ray Parker Jr.'s theme, and then every once in a while, like, you know, it'll make a sound when you spring a trap and catch a ghost. That is, again, the version probably most people are familiar with, which is why most people think the 1984 Ghostbusters game is fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, I think I think outside of one of the other games we might mention, this has technically hit the most platforms. Yeah. Yeah, I have it on 2600 of yeah. all crazy yeah. Which things. is amazing that they actually tried to do that. Where, like, you know, oh, yeah. on all the other versions, you have, like, this city map with, like, you know, little 8-bit buildings. And then the 2600 version is just squares that will sometimes blink. Um, <laughs> but I, I learned, you know, playing the various versions of this, they all vary wildly in quality. Um, they they are mm. all very, like, similar but very different games. So, like, the original Commodore 64 and Apple II versions, you buy a car, you, you buy a bunch of equipment for the car, you get, like, $10,000 you can spend on a bunch of ghost-busting equipment, and then you go out and hit the streets, and you drive around briefly and vacuum up ghosts, and then... Unless you run out of money and gas. Which happens a lot. That is on the NES version. Oh, okay. Wow. So, I'm getting to that. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. So, in the original versions, it's just like a brief drive. Your car takes up most of the screen. Occasionally, a ghost appears. <laughs> That's yeah. it. And then, when you get to the place, you line up your two guys. You drop the trap. And then you, uh, you know, launch the capture beams at like a 45 degree angle. And then you're, you're, you're just trying to sort of kettle the one ghost that's flying around and, you know, get it over the trap and then spring the trap. Sometimes the ghost can go up and over your beam, which is bullshit, but, uh, <laughs> there it is. And then eventually at the end of the game, the PK energy goes off the charts. The Stay Puff Marshmallow Man will start smashing buildings and you can go to a building marked Zool and uh, run through the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man's legs as he either jumps side to side on the C64 version or up and down on Apple II. And if you get, like, two of your guys in there, you cross the streams and win the game. That's the original version. In later versions, so the NES version added a bunch of new mechanics. It limited the amount of equipment that you could get. Like, you could put four things on your car. You had to first drive across town from the bottom of the screen to the top of the screen to the shop where you could get your equipment. You would have to dodge cars on the road. You would continually run out of gas. And there would be, like, little fuel canisters that would sometimes pop up and move by very quickly that you could you could run them over to extend your gas. Bump a jump uh, style. And if, if you ran out, you would your guys would get out and push, and you would have to sit there and wait while they did that. Uh, that wasn't great. Uh, you could <laughs> you could aim the, the the streams in different directions, which was kind of a neat touch. And you know there were multiple ghosts, and so you you were basically just the the streams acted like flypaper, and ghosts would stick to them. 
And then at the very end, instead of running through the Marshmallow Man's legs, you got to climb up 23 floors of that skyscraper, which you had to do by pushing the A button. Every time you pushed it, your guys would move one step. There were ghosts flying all over the place that you had to dodge while doing this. And then if you managed to get up there, you would have a boss fight with Gozer where you have like two of your guys standing side by side and running around and dodging shit. And then you got that horrible ending message, which was, Congratulations, you have finished a great game and proved the justice of our culture. Go and rest now, our heroes. I'm reading this from memory. I'm not looking at anything right now. It made that much of an impact. Um, and I liked the extra O's in proved. Yeah. It's two O's. And this version actually had a fan uh, remake. Interestingly enough, it's called Ghostbusters The Real, where they they redid the sprites, they overhauled some of the mechanics, they let you just hold a direction instead of hammering A button on the stairs at the end. Um, But I I think the the best version might actually be the Sega Master System version, which was like a better looking yet fairly faithful reproduction of the original computer game. sounded like this. That's driving around. You can hear the... Car motor. Capture the ghost. Uh, yeah, all of the ones that have music, you will just hear Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters theme over and over and over, nonstop. Um, and the Apple II, which is the version I played the most as a kid, oh. might have the worst version of it. Holy shit. <laughs> this is for when the Ghostbusters are tired. Yeah, someone else. This is yeah, for when their slobberly cousin Jr. comes in. Two packs a day uh, and yeah, comes out yeah. in his music. Da, 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 da. What do you got to say? I'll be on your podcast. What I will, <laughs> what I will give the original like series of games, the David Crane games, mm-hmm. right? Because yes. this is from the creator of Pitfall. Yes, like, those yeah, are yeah. Even, and, like, and a boy and his blob, a boy and his blob, and uh, and and uh, other light classics. But what it did that no other Ghostbusters game has really done that I would love to see is you run a franchise. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And and uh, like for all of the like football manager eighteen ninety seven and you know like all of the different business sims power wash simulator and all these things i i really feel like i'm i'm ready wanna, i'm ready to want to get ghostbusters management yeah you want to play you want to play ghostbusters tycoon i do i, I want to play lewis tully's ghostbuster tycoon yeah, right like, i, I want to build out I, a firehouse with equipment and yeah cool shit. who does your taxes you know like i want i want to be that mm-hmm. and i think i think that it's it's time let's do it yeah but this is one of the only ghostbusters games that lets you kind of manage there's action stuff but you also have to manage a budget which yeah. of course kids don't like to do mm-hmm. but as an adult you're like oh i can make that a success it's, yeah uh, i can run an etsy shop i can uh, i can do ghostbusters what you know yeah. it's yeah. one of those it would be really fun you know like the epa yeah. comes by oh. you get fined you have to you know mm-hmm. deal with advertising you know you have to is there a busy season around halloween it, it, you know it's one of those things with uh, um especially nes games <sighs> again dave rudden really helped me realize most of this but all these off nes games we think are awful are trying their best to be not just side scrollers and be accurate to the yeah. film and they're yeah. they as kids i have tons of stockholm syndrome for this because like uh man I, I had like two games and i remember there was this little kid 
Corey, who looked up to the older kids, which is like me and Not my Corey. three other friends. And he's like, I got Ghostbusters, the game. And the movie's been out for a long time at this point. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm like, man, you got to let me borrow that as, as, as soon as you're done with it. He came back the next day and handed me like this mint NES Ghostbusters and just here. He's from like a single like, family, small shitty apartment in the projects, handed me like his only game that year. Because I'm done with yeah, this. Yeah, I'm done with this. <laughs> yeah. So I, I played it. At, I had it was one of my four something games. I played a ton of it. I'm not sure I ever finished it as a child, but I, I still like it. Took some. I could barely read, and, and I'm, I'm having to learn how to play this Ghostbusters game. Wow. So if this crappy game still makes it to number five, imagine the games we're skipping. Yeah. Well, if it, yeah, it also like this is <laughs> one of the better Ghostbusters games, and it is one of the worst. It really depends on which version Ooh, you go I with, see. and and I think most people's experience is with one of the worst versions. So Sega Master System is the one we should try. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. I think that might be the, the best and uh as much as I love the Apple II version, I really can't recommend it because this is what driving sounds like. First you you're going to hear map noise and then you're going to hear a sound that gives me tinnitus when I listen to it. I'll put it in my veins. Mhm. <laughs> That's the car engine noise, and it just That's makes what? that for as long as you're driving. Wow. I thought wow. that was great when I was a kid. <laughs> it's like, and, and that was a, kind of a cool thing that, like, yeah, having the budget at the beginning, like, in the computer version, you don't have to go with the Ecto-1. You can get, like, a Volkswagen Beetle and save yeah. a bunch of money, and it's like, all right, kid, hold less equipment, but I can pile on traps now. That's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. that's how I played it when I played it. I'm like, first of all, I love Volkswagen Beetle. Second yeah. of all. Hell yeah, a car's a car. I need gear. Yeah. You know, like let's it's hard enough to drive through the city in this game. I'm gonna load up on traps and then, you know, not have to run back to the firehouse as often to uh to empty them. So Yeah, yeah wow, that, that music that's that's sort of like sound effect. Hey Steve, can you do a car engine on Apple II? Uh yes. <laughs> I can do like a drill going maybe? into your that ear. That sounded almost Let's as good out. as when we would uh, run over cans on our bikes to try to get them to catch <laughs> yeah. and go against the frame of the bike to, yeah. to produce a motorcycle-like sound, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Remember that? Hold on. Let me get some baseball cards and put them in the spoke. <laughs> well, that's how old Dan is. See, I didn't want to do the yeah. baseball card thing because no, that right. was like my dad's generation. Uh, but yeah. no, we no. did the we did aluminum cans, man. No, yeah. I'm ancient. No. Thank you. I think <laughs> although, although they were although they were Don Russ's Americana cards. I'm sorry, oh, I was obsessed with that a couple weeks ago. A Holy line shit. of trading cards that existed well into the internet that just like feature random photos of celebrities like Jeffrey Tambor and Eddie Eason. <laughs> Go <laughs> straight through Falcon's maze. Richard <laughs> Petty and, and Dwight Eisenhower. Like this is part of the same line. I like the Together. way you say Don Russ though. <laughs> The way you Don- pronounced Don Russ was like a dude's name, like Don Russ. Hey, Don this is Russ. Don Russ. Don Russ Chevrolet. How do you say it then, man? It's it Don Russ. It's it's oh, one man. word. D O N R U S S. All one it. word. You said Don Russ, like it was two names, say, one right, having a last right, name. Right. I love it. Um, this is the one I probably have the most to say about. So we, I promise you, we will not spend fifteen minutes on every single entry here. So let's move Good. along to <laughs> number four. Mm-hmm. 
Sort of like this the, is the one yeah. that I thought was going to be number five. Oh, this is okay. the physically largest. Uh, yes, that of makes the sense. games. Yeah, this is. Do the... you guys recognize this one by the sound? No, please explain. <laughs> this is Data East's The Real Ghostbusters arcade game. Oh yes, mm-hmm. I was yes, which was available uh, as an upgrade kit for two players, or had a dedicated cabinet for three players. Three players. One of the only um, three. Play- I didn't discover this until I like recently modded my cab. I'd never seen. This. Oh. Yeah, uh, I wound up. I did not know it existed, and I, you know, I, the real Ghostbusters happened when I was a kid. I remember uh, being on a train on a family trip to Indiana. The only time I've I've had had to go to Indiana, and for some reason, I had bought I had bought an issue of Variety, oh. the newspaper, mm, and that right, was my up. newspaper to read on the trip. <laughs> Just to see if you got cast in that Lost Boys. Situation. Yeah, you know, because yeah, maybe I was on Lost Boys too. Maybe they were doing nine and three quarters weeks. I don't know. And uh, don't want to overshoot our wad. Yeah, what I what I opened up to in this in this variety. Yeah, here, what's the latest news? Um, was a two page ad for the real Ghostbusters cartoon years before, uh, like a year before it came out, oh, and it wow. was just the Ghostbusters logo. And it said, if you don't have the real one, you don't have a ghost of a chance. And it was to try to get syndicates, you know, it was a syndicated cartoon, so they were looking for people to line up because at the time, Filmation realized that they were going to make the Ghost Space Busters cartoon based on the Larry Storch series from 1974. The other Ghostbusters uh, cartoon was already in production. So they were like, oh, no, 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 we're doing the Columbia. We're doing the Dan Aykroyd thing. Mm. But so you gotta you gotta line up. Don't don't get fooled by the other Ghostbusters cartoon. You're you know. So, so I just sort of didn't. I I just wound up not watching it. I was like, uh, you know, I was doing other things. And then when I got an arcade cabinet, I'm looking around for you know well, what else can can run inside this cabinet because uh, in the 90s there was a standard for arcade machines. So you can actually unplug and plug in a different board. That was so that when one game stopped selling or stopped earning, a, a dealer could change it into a Street Fighter 2 or whatever, right? Mm. Uh, and so that's... I found, I was like, a Ghostbusters arcade game? I've never heard of a Ghostbusters arcade game. So I bought the damn thing for like 50 bucks or something damn. and I throw it into my NBA Jam machine and it works like a charm. Wow. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And that was... Like, that. What a weird way to... I'd never like found a new arcade game by buying it before. <laughs> wow. It was completely insane. But it was a three it was three player game and it had a toggle switch a dip switch on the on a thing that let it work in a two player cabinet. So you may have seen it in either form. Depends on what kind of you know, whether your your arcade machine was uh was built for three players or whether it was a conversion for two. I adored this game when I was a kid. I did not understand why it was never ported to NES and now I understand licensing issues. Mm-hmm. This was originally this was not originally a Ghostbusters game. It was created in Japan under the name Make You Hunter G. Make you meaning like mystery or labyrinth. And uh, so it was it's like a top-down Ikari Warriors style run and gun game. And it was neat because it had like you had two weapons. You ha- you could fire shots, which were good at destroying physical enemies, and then you could use the proton beam, which you know, was good for, like, your enemies would turn into ghosts once you'd killed their bodies, and you could just zap them with that to destroy them. But, yeah, it was the first, like, really cool recreation of what was, at the time, my favorite cartoon in a video game. And it's like, that, the, the way that the proton beam is animated in the game, like, it just sort of whips around like crazy. Yeah. And it's like, I'd never seen anything like that. It looked amazing. The, the enemies looked like something out of the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Yeah. 
Uh, and I yeah. make you hunter. Which again, the, the the small bit of our age difference. I love that I have a friend mm-hmm. my age, grew up, bumblefuck nowhere, mm-hmm. was absolutely shocked to learn there was a live action Ghostbusters. Like this is how, yeah. how he <laughs> fell in love with it. It, it. Like the real go. And so like, I always say like I was really young when Ghostbusters came out, and I grew up in the marketing campaign of two. And then right. Real Ghostbusters was there with merchandise and daily cartoons to really feed my fandom in a way that I don't know what it would have looked like after Ghostbusters 1. Uh, yeah, right. I think my favorite review of Ghostbusters Afterlife that I read was by somebody who hadn't had barely heard of the cartoon, was only really aware of like, Ghostbusters, it was a slob comedy by the guys who made Stripes, and then they had like a sequel that was for kids. I really didn't get that. Why does this movie exist? And it was like, apparently a bunch of people take it really seriously because there was a cartoon in the 80s that I'm dimly aware of. And wow, that, thanks like, for not Googling Made writer. it really serious and operatic, and that's not what Ghostbusters is supposed to be. It's a slob comedy. Uh, By the way, I like that Andor and I like that Mandalorian. I think they should make a Star Wars movie. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Put one of them R2-D2-3PO's in Mm. it. It'll be a huge success. (laughs) I think they Uh, should make a mashup show and call it Andalorian. But but it is is weird. With the Back to the Future mashup, they drive a DeLorean. This is the Andalorian (laughs) in my DeLorean. Andor the DeLorean. It is, it is weird to think Somebody that... Somebody do something with Andor Lorian. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the, Why is that just occurring to me? It is weird that the real Ghostbusters cartoon is like one of the main reasons that that franchise endured as long as it did and yes. is taken as seriously as it is. Where I remember like I was the only kid I knew who was into it. I got teased mercilessly. Like well, I'd show you... up with any Ghostbusters thing and all the assholes who lived on my street were like, oh, Ghostbusters. Really? Like that way. They said that every time. Oh, Ghostbusters. That became my catchphrase. People would say when they saw me. Um, one of the things. Well, first of all, you get the last laugh because you know who one of the main writers was on the show and did several of the best episodes. J. Michael Straczynski, creator uh, of Babylon yeah. 5. Wow. Yeah. So if you go back, he has several key episodes. But I did think it was a really nice touch. That in in the way that you have to do this when you when you uh, adopt or adapt a, a a franchise for for a cartoon or for kids, you know how do you tell the Ghostbusters apart? Well, all the Ghostbusters have different color jumpsuits, mm-hmm. right? Egon's is like light blue, and yeah. and Ray's is still uh, is still tan, yeah, but tan Ven- and brown, like M and M's back then. Uh, yeah, and like Venkman <laughs> is sort of a gray, and you know, so that way it's easy for kids to identify who's who in Spirits Unleashed. You can start by mm-hmm. customizing your jumpsuit, oh, cool. and you can choose from all of the re- unlocked from the beginning all of the real Ghostbusters yep. colors with the right accents. And it was just a fun little piece of fan service that they didn't have to do. Mm-hmm. And of course, I was like, "No, man, I'm sticking with khaki. This is, you know, the, the, my real jumpsuit that I really have. It has to be what's in the game." Um, so you know, yeah, I, I just thought that was cute. Yeah. It was like that's sort of their legacy. I, a, I, a light, a light plug, small tiny bit of history. I think. Most people know the real Ghostbusters. Uh, originally, the character looked way too much like Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. And not only can you see that, but if you go to the official Ghostbusters site, they like remastered the pitch reel from the real Ghostbusters cartoon into 4K or at least HD. And it's like four minutes long, and like it, most of it you see in the intro, but there's so much more of it. And it tells a story. They split up, they meet back up together, they head for the air and the seas. It is. I watch it every Halloween. It's like it's for it's the entirety of the Ray Parker Jr. song, and it's what they did wow. to pitch people on it. Wow. It, it. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor this Halloween. Look it up. 
I have not. All right. Well, I, uh, I do have one more thing to say about the arcade oh, yeah. game. As it's the case in a lot of these, you mostly just heard the Ghostbusters theme or that weird variation that it plays. When bosses would show up, you would hear the original Japanese version's music, and only then. Sounds like someone's playing a, a fleet of glasses. Yeah. <laughs> but, Thank you, hunters! Yeah. Um, so let's get into something slightly more recent. Number three. Got some lovely tinny uh, Game Boy Advance sounds there. This is Extreme Ghostbusters, a.k.a. Extreme Ghostbusters Code Ecto-1, came out in 2002, like five years... By the way, like I was saying earlier, after a 10-year gap in Ghostbusters games. Right. And this was Extreme, mm-hmm. which was the the series that yeah. followed real Ghostbusters. So, when real Ghostbusters mm-hmm. ended, right. they wanted to continue the franchise, so they came up with a new one. And And this game, in 2002, came out five years after that show had been canceled. <laughs> Uh, that sh- Extreme Ghostbusters lasted one season, 40 episodes, and had a, it was like, this is the most 90s ghost, but this is Ghostbusters for 90s kids. The The main characters are all like 20-something slackers. And, yeah. Well, the, the, the two characters that Eduardo this kid is and so Kylie. so cool, he doesn't need his legs. Yeah. There was Eduardo Sorry. the slacker. There was Kylie the, the goth girl wearing football pads. There was Garrett, who's like a hot-headed athlete in a wheelchair, and the only one who never got a toy because it was too expensive to make the wheelchair, I guess. And then there's Roland, who's a black student who's also like an engineer and a technical genius, and he, he invents their equipment and leads the team, so he's like both the Donatello and the Leonardo. Wait a minute. And, I'm sorry to point out the obvious. There was a guy in a wheelchair who wasn't named Roland. I know. Let it go. Let yeah, it go. let it go. Let it go. Thank you, Fred Durst. The, yeah. sh- the show was be- trying to be diverse and, and really like... We don't need another Black Ranger situation. It, it uh, you know, tried to bring out like these, these characters as characters and not just make them about their race or gender or disability. Yeah, these are just really smart, capable people and we're going to make an awesome cartoon about them. And, and the only classic character come back was Egon, because Egon was like their mentor, Egon right? Egon and Janine. Oh, Janine. Yeah, and there was also a two-part episode called Back in the Saddle, where they brought back the original real Ghostbusters, now, you know, slightly aged-up versions of themselves. And, like, they, they're going on a, a reunion cruise, and uh, ghosts happen, of course, and everybody teams up. I, I, reunion I didn't know. cruise and ghosts ensues. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, first of all, I did not know this was, like, a Batman Beyond. Oh, yes. The real Absolutely. ghost. Absolutely. And, oh and it had a grungy-ass uh, rendition of the Ray Parker Jr. song. I want you to. I want to see if you guys can guess who this is singing it. There's something strange in your neighborhood. The new? Is it Captain Lou Albano? That's Jack Black. That's right. This man, Jack? Nope. 
That is It's Lemmy. It's got to be Lemmy. Everyone's favorite Dr. Robotnik, Jim Cummings. Wow, really? Winnie the Darkwing Duck. A Winnie the Pooh? Yeah, I guess. Wow. He's a very bother. There's something strange. Oh, don't bother. Bother. Every time I saw. Who are you going to call, Piglet? Every time I saw Extreme Ghostbusters, I really felt like I was looking at the Burger King Kids Club as Ghostbusters. Yes, thank you. Yes, that's perfect. And I don't know. I've never been able to shake that. But the game is better than you'd think. So there were a couple of Extreme Ghostbusters games made by this company lsp uh i think light and shadow productions they're a french developer they made one princess they made one for game boy color which was pretty cool this one was an upgrade in every sense where you got to play as eduardo and kylie and you got to switch between them like hitting the r trigger and uh they had different abilities eduardo had the, the the proton stream and was like I think overall more effective in combat because he could aim down and Kylie wow. could just aim straight or angle it upward. And there. <laughs> Fine. for her part, she, she just fired shots. I'm not sure exactly what her weapon was or what it was called, but it sounded like this. And the, the level design, like, I, I played this a bit, and it's like, wow, these these characters are really fun to control. Like, the gameplay mm-hmm. just feels amazing. Uh, the level design is is not great, because it's, like, it's a tight focus. There are these big, like, non-linear levels, like the, you know, the find-the-exit style of Genesis yeah. level design. And you are a huge character sprite. Geez. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and they, they will just pile on enemies sometimes. So yeah. And the enemies will regenerate if you leave an area and you come back like, oh, all those guys I killed are back. Great. Um, so, it, whenever I go on like a, a, a deep wiki binge, it's just like, I had a Game Boy SP, but obviously I'm not the target market for like these old licensed games. Mm-hmm. But uh, you see on Steam like a ton of retro games coming out and like there's so many quality fluid 2d scrollers on the uh, on the gba coming out in the 2000s that totally missed the mark they they end up looking like fives or sixes back then with modern reviewers but now they're like this is a totally competent platformer uh with great graphics and good music because they're relying on hardware that make it sound like a 1992 game um, and this this looks like one of them. I should say also that it's not just the linear action necessarily. Like there there are driving segments where it made me realize going back and playing this like oh yeah the fuel mechanic in the NES Ghostbusters was actually a timer, uh, and what it did wrong was only giving you one little time boost you know one or two per drive. This one just gives you a ton of them. So uh, yeah, you you're the timer is continually ticking down. You run over clocks to get more time. You Ugh. slam through a bunch of roadblocks and and stuff like that that are all that's, over New York. That's for how some the reason. everyone gets a trophy. Two thousand two generation was man, mm-hmm. not like us yeah. zennials. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and every once in a while, you'd have a boss that might you know push you to switch between the characters and use their distinct talents. That's the boss screaming, don't worry. 
Uh, oh, that's the boss. I was worried. Sounds like they own to- oh, tell- Tommy Tellerico money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he owns that screen. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, it's pretty good. If you have the means to check it out, I suggest doing so. But the, the biggest... Visual Boy Advance or the internet? Which one are you talking about? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, but the biggest surprise on this list might be this one. Number two. This is uh, a game that did not come to the U.S., was released exclusively in Japan and Europe. Uh, anybody know the name? New well, Ghostbusters 2. Yes. Because I, yeah, back when I first started doing Laser Time full-time for Halloween, we had a week of only Ghostbusters streams. And I'd heard about this game, but I'd never gone to the, the, you know, the trouble to check it out. And it's from the fucking Kirby people. Yes, Hell Labs. Or the Smash Brothers <laughs> developers. And it's amazing. Yeah. It is. It, like, when we say amazing, this still holds up. It still is a lot of fun to play. Yeah. Like, I, I can't really say that of a lot of NES games, but this is like, wow, this is it's so charming and fun and satisfying and simple. It's a little top-down, run-and-gun style game. You pick... Any two Ghostbusters, including Lewis Tully, he can be a ghost. You can play as Lewis wow. if you want. You know, it doesn't really matter which ones you pick. It's it's just all personal choice. So the the primary one has the proton beam, and the secondary one follows behind and will throw the trap when you hit the B button. That's it. That's the extent of your abilities. Your primary character just has to hold the proton beam on a ghost, while the other one, the AI character, runs around and gets into position, and then you throw the trap and... That's how you do a capture. That's how you get through boss fights. And it is actually a very faithful, like, scene-by-scene recreation of the events of the movie, right down to the first real boss, which is the Scolari Brothers. So that that screech is when one of them gets captured in the trap. Did you, did you the Scalari Brothers wasn't that Rip Torn, the judge that threw the Scalari Brothers away? That's all, all right. I remember about There's that. There's your Men in Black tie-in right okay. there. Yeah. Did, 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 I'm not the only one who met was, the Scalari no. Brothers, right? Have you guys all met them? Met them? What in real yeah, life? Yeah, they're in that overhang at uh, Lucas Arts, Lucas Film, uh, oh. in the Presidio. No, like, that would have terrified me. It's so <laughs> cool to look at them. Jesus, are they like full size, or are they just little little? They mechanics? are the the what. Film used characters. That um, doesn't answer my question. How big are they? Oh no, they're like if they're seven feet tall, I would, I would, I would be scared uh, <laughs> passing under that. Even they're though they're like I know ten it's feet tall. Oh, nice. Are no, they, it, they're in the chairs, right? They're both in those electrical chairs, like that um, they died no, in. Or? I don't think they were because that would just look frightening in the halls of like next to the a couple of adats and the batteries mm. not included robots, <laughs> but. It, which they are. They are next to those. And uh, I, I just, this is neither here nor there, but I remember I was telling someone recently about going to Lucas film, and they were like, you can take a picture whatever you want, but you have to be in the picture. Like, hmm. what? Why? And like, they weren't really specific. And then I just said, well, fuck them. No one's watching me. And I post them online. I got a message like pretty soon, like, hey, we, nothing like we're going to sue you, but like we asked, you know, we, you were invited here. Please don't post those. And it's just because they don't want you to see the seams and the strings and the further you're back with the camera the less detail you're picking up on these old 
corroding models. Uh, but hmm. the Scolari brothers are there in the Presidio, and, you, and oh, if wow. you're in San Francisco, you might be able to go see them. Nice. Yeah, the the game is is like I said, totally charming. Um, it is one of the most absolute fun old Ghostbusters games. Oh yeah. Uh, and you, you also were were talking up the uh, the American Activision Ghostbusters two before we recorded, Chris, which it, I played. It is not good. It is like bad a, contra. A huge improvement. I just wanted to give a shout out to that last level where you actually get to play as the Statue of Liberty yes. in like a shoot 'em up. Well, I did want to play the music from that because that is like Which this, I'm sure they didn't like the game's one great point. song is being stolen. <laughs> I mean, they can't have done that without licensing Jackie Wilson's higher. Do you think higher. so? Because like, I, I, we were streaming all these old crap games. Like, It's not until the Super NES era where they start crediting what the music is. Mm. I think they were just assuming nobody would notice. Wow. It's, I mean, it's such a major plot point. Yeah. <laughs> For yeah. crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. You have to use it in the game, but also how do you get to use it in the game without actually paying for it? I like the driving parts. I really love the last level. I didn't get to finish um, New Ghostbusters 2, and I've only played it very little bit with two players, but it's an awesome two-player game. It's really quite good. Yeah. I, 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 it was off my radar until the show, and then you know, Michael's like, you should check this out. And I'm like, oh my god, why is this good? You yeah. Know? Like, I, uh, I had a vague memory, so I was on like a Retronauts about old Ghostbusters games a bunch of years ago, and we talked about... It, it then and I had a vague memory. It's like, oh, this was like the the good NES game, and I went back to it this week. And it's like I did not remember how good. Like it is, it is fantastic. And if you get to the museum, you get to fight a giant Peter McNichol boss who replicates himself multiple times, and it looks like him, which is crazy. Like how they get his likeness into a little eight bit sprite, which is pretty fucking impressive. Even though he has a very distinctive face with like the big forehead and the crazy hair, and if playable Winston. Maybe for the first time. Uh, yeah, Playable Winston was in this. Uh, That's true. I think his he had like a dark gray face. It, it looks like the, <laughs> whatever blue. colors Jason's mask is in the LGN yeah, version. Yeah, yeah. Like a, a aqua. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but hey, he's in there. You can play as him. He can be the main Ghostbuster if you want. You can play, play you as Winston keep, and Lewis. You can't keep shitting on the guy just because he's not Eddie Murphy. Hmm. Winston rules, and he's very yeah. much a part of the the series for me he's, he's also a huge part of the new game he's your boss he, he gets top awesome. billing yes he gets top billing in the opening credits of spirits unleashed ernie hudson very happy to see him. is that is that keeping with was that answer the call no it's continuing no, no, no. from afterlife yeah it, it picks up after afterlife yeah okay so we'll, the game we'll get into that unleashed. but anyway for now we have to talk about <laughs> of course like on the far side of a cross-dimensional portal. It's one of infinite potential configurations. You know, theoretically. Yes, well, this looks like the Gozerian configuration. Ah, uh, yeah. Bringing back the the original cast for what game? Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters the video game. Mm-hmm. Yes. From I, I just call it, like, yeah, the 2009 Ghostbusters game. Cause... I have bought it on three systems now, and I, I, I never get tired. I, like, I, I don't know, like... 
Also, like uh, this week on 302010, we talk about something we talked about a few weeks ago, the Lord of the Rings EA game. But it is one of those licensed games that I feel like gets better with age, especially when you can't... Even at the time, it was hard to go back and make a true Ghostbusters 3. Now it's impossible. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Right. This is like Ghostbusters 3 through 5. and it's, it's Yeah, I, I really believe that that's why this game is so good, is because everybody involved was like, we're probably never going to get another chance to do yeah. this. So everybody's just like, okay, well, what would you do for 3? If you just, you know, if you could do whatever you wanted. Now, the original script for Ghostbusters 3 was called Ghostbusters 3 Hell on Earth. Yes. Where hell is full and the the dimension of hell crosses over to Earth. And Dan Aykroyd had this like $200 million script at the time, which was, you know, yeah, unfilmable. Literally like the river sticks becomes (laughs) Broadway. Right. So like lakes of fire and and all the streets are running with, with flame and lava and they were just like, you can't do it. So that's why we never got Ghostbusters 3. Yeah, it wasn't Bill Murray, even though I'm sure that would have been a holdup. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So this really feels like, okay, well then what can we do? Let's bring the whole gang back together. Harold Ramis is involved. Dan Aykroyd is co-writing with Harold. Everybody's on board. They even get Bill Murray, which I yeah. can't believe. Because, I think I think he came you know, on because they, they offered his brother a job. We got a glimpse <laughs> yes. of the other world. Brian Doyle job. Murray is also in pretty. the game. It's like Brooklyn and the Bronx. With no queens in the middle. Whole city blocks sinking into a fifth dimensional abyss. Cockroaches the size of polo ponies. Panic in the streets. How'd you like disco to come back? Bigger than ever. I get it. We're in trouble. So what am I supposed to do? We need to prepare the city for the worst. The city's my responsibility, not yours. Now go do your job and stop that thing. I just I can't not imagine Captain Knuckles from uh, Flapjack. <laughs> really? I, I imagine the, the owner of uh, Noah's Arcade. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The head of the caddies and Caddyshack. We can no. It, just saying, the yeah. head of Noah's Arcade, who only advertises arcade with Sonic the Hedgehog one in the background. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not sure how you got can away I, with it. Noah. You're genius. Mm-hmm. Can I make a confession here about one thing I feel about this game, and mm-hmm. and I don't want to speak ill of the dead because he's he's my favorite Ghostbuster in the movies. Really? But, but you don't like Harold Ramis's performance here. I thought in the video game, Harold Ramis's performance sounded the most like like a, someone going into a studio to do voice acting. They, like they everyone all else, sound like that. No, especially no, Bill Murray. More like their movie characters. Yeah, Bill Murray does sound like that too. But Bill like, Murray sounds like he's reading from a script. But the beauty of Egon in most of the movies is he's pretty deadpan with the occasional like sly grin like I you know I know I'm being deadpan like in the game you could hear it in there. He he had too much energy. I'm like, "Yo, Egon, bring it down a little bit, buddy. You're not the energetic ghostbuster. You're supposed to be the the straight science guy." You mm-hmm. know, like that's what made him funny to me. Anyway, yeah. just a personal. I get to say that because I fucking worked on this game. Fuck you, you listener go. who is complaining right <laughs> what now. Did you? Yes. What did you do on this game? I helped. So this, I was on the marketing team before this got sold to Atari. Like this was a Vivendi uh, game back right. back in the day. So I was in early uh, working on this game and, and pitching this for like promotional partnerships and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I was I was hugely bummed when you know the acquisition happened with Activision and this didn't end up going to Activision. I was like, you fools! This is the you know. And will this be on Atari Fifty? Uh, no, <laughs> they published it. but I do remember, you know, why didn't it go over to Activision? And do you remember the sadly public answer? Yeah, they only wanted things they could make into annual franchises. 
Yes, but it was the way it was said. It's not exploitable. Exploitable. Yeah, it's not an exploitable franchise. Ghostbusters is not an exploitable franchise. Right. I want uh, want everyone listening to mull that for a second. (laughs) Well, this this actually speaks to what Chris was talking about before, is because there was this dry spell of, like, people don't buy Ghostbusters games. There was no data to suggest that people wanted to buy more than one Ghostbusters game, and they just said, well, that's a one and done. We want to build franchises, strong franchises, like Prototype. So, it was, you know, like, oh, well, Prototype 2 didn't work. Kill the whole studio. I loved Prototype 2. I, I thought it was too. really and, good. And, and Blur, I, the racing blur. game that we both loved. Oh, that didn't dude, get any love. yeah, like close to my heart. But, but I mean, they tried, yeah, but they were yeah. like, well, you know, we can try with that stuff, but we can't really try with Ghostbusters because we're just going to have to pay somebody else more money if the game is a but hit. The, so you have the, to think of it in, you know, in codec terms. The, the hypocrisy, though, and irony of that statement is Activision as a company was built on a lot of big licensed products and for years and years has and has owned like, the Ghostbusters license since the beginning until Answer the yes, Call right? game. Yes. <laughs> yeah. At least two of the games that we discussed before this one were published oh, by Activision. Were Activision. Yeah. 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 Not exploitable say- enough, apparently. For, for this game, I was obviously in super fanboy mode. I was working at OXM at the time. Yes. So I remember two big things. One, I brought in my whole pack to do an OXM video. I also remember you know, this. Back in the, yeah. yeah. And uh, and I was just like, it was the happiest day at work because I got to wear my real uniform, you know. Uh, and the other thing was I could not talk to Dan Aykroyd. I tried. And they were gonna, they sent they set up a, a, a media kit, a media tour. But I, we had already covered the game for preview, and so I was not allowed to go on the press junket uh, to meet Dan Aykroyd. But I did get to interview Harold Ramis over the phone. Oh shit! And he was very nice, and you know, I got to knowing a lot of the lore. I got to ask him because he was Dan Aykroyd was the believer in yeah. all of Supernatural, yeah. always has been. And Harold Ramis was brought in to, to tame fix this his and script. make this a filmable yeah. movie. Right, but Harold also brought skepticism of like, well, let's ground, because it was very science yep. fiction and it was really insane. And they were like, well, he's really the guy that brought them down to like, I, what if they were like, you know, scientists rather right. than magicians, you know? And what if they had real world things like the EPA and a mortgage and, you know, uh, three mortgages mm-hmm. to get the business off the ground? Yeah. And and that really grounded a lot of the humor. So, you know, I asked him, he's like, yeah, I've just, I've, I just don't believe in ghosts. I just, I've never have. All of that is just crazy. He's like, Dan is 100% that way, and I am just like, I don't believe any of it. You know, he's just so, it, it, we really did balance each other. But I said, at the end of the interview, I'm like, look, I can't finish this without asking you. Uh, I hate to be that fan, but there's a tube on the, on the leg of the Ghostbusters jumpsuit. And it's a yes. yellow tube. What the fuck is that for? Where does it go and what is it for? And he just started laughing. He goes, yeah, uh, I, I guess maybe a sort of yellowish tube was not the best thing to put in a pant leg. We didn't think about it at the time. There, uh, all I, Where does it go? It goes into the back of my belt. Uh, that's, you know, like I just tuck it into another part of the costume. He goes, I know a lot of people assume it's a catheter. It's not canon that it was a catheter. It's like if, if you read the behind uh, the scenes of like making the movie, the costumes were the only thing they could work on during principal photography. They had almost yeah. no idea what anything was going to look like ghost wise. Bernie. Yeah, Bernie Wrightson, a, a famous uh, horror and, and comics Ooh. illustrator, uh, was, was still doing all of the, uh, the 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 concept art and and he came up with some really terrifying oh, yeah. things. There's there there are some great. One of the books is uh, way out of print, but it was Don Shea's Making Ghostbusters. It was printed at the time, like eighty four, eighty five, 
I still have a copy. There's now a, a new History of Ghostbusters book that replaces Making Ghostbusters, but Making Ghostbusters had the entire script annotated, stories from the original people in the sides, and a lot of Bernie Wrightson's illustrations, including a version of Gozer that was a giant skeleton that was birthed like from an egg, Whoa. like a, a an ectoplasm egg, and then just grows to, to be larger than New York City and is going to devour. It was horrifying. Some of Bernie Wrights and stuff was absolutely horrifying. It was truly, like, at that point, a full-on horror film. Uh, but, you know, they, they sort of scaled it back to be, like, a European supermodel instead. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. Because I think it was easier for them to film. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 there's... This game really did everything that I wanted this game to do. It felt like a proper third chapter in the story. They brought everybody back, yeah. and thank goodness they did, because we don't have everybody anymore. They even brought uh, back Annie Potts. Somebody yeah. jumped me from behind, and before I passed out, I heard Alyssa struggling and yelling, Now! And the last thing I remember was the screams of the dead and damned echoing in my brain. So either there was a mass escape from Rikers, or someone shut down our containment grid again. Again, just like Peck threatened to do. It's funny. I always knew that Peck was a pencil-necked bureaucratic prick, but I never pegged him as an evil occultist. <laughs> yeah. It's a good line. Yeah, the only people gun. not in the game yeah. are Rick Moranis, for reasons known to Rick. By oh. all accounts, his wife died, and he was yeah. trying to take care of two sons alone and decided he'd had enough of the business. Yeah, he just said, I don't he need said to, no act, to everything. So he just Sigourney turned down Weaver everything. said no to the game, and yeah. I... I think I remember Dan telling me this in at the, yeah when they wait everybody else came back I didn't know everybody else was coming back yeah, I would have done it, it. Yeah. yeah she yeah she loves Ghostbusters and she was very happy that was that gave her a chance to do comedy at a time when she was known you know as a budding yeah. scream queen really yeah, from an, Alien and as an intense so, actress like a right like she had done a lot of serious and and intense stuff so this was a chance. She had so much fun. She loved it. And at the rap party, she wrote a poem for wow. everybody. Like, you know, like she, so she has nothing but fond memories of this. And she's like, oh God, you guys, the rest of you guys didn't tell me you were coming back. She was afraid it was going to be a cash yeah. in and it was going to be like, oh no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do some yeah. Ghostbusters video I, I game. I theorize you know, she, that's why she's shame. in the Alien Isolation DLC. Just cause like, I'm not going to let this slip by again. Yeah, I'm not going to miss it yeah. again. No, nobody yeah. wants to be, uh, you know, um, Michael Madsen being the only character or actor from <laughs> Reservoir Dogs to come back for yeah. that game. Yeah. <laughs> right. I forgot there was a game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You guys Where got the, the original Xenomorph? I'm coming back. Like. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, this is where I, I, I redeem, you know, earlier I was saying Harold Ramis kind of, you know, his voice acting lines wasn't a huge fan, but I will give him credit. He wrote this game. He co-wrote this oh, game wow. yes. with, with Dan Aykroyd and then my friend John Melcher, who was executive producer and, and, and helped write this as well, because writing for games, obviously very, very different than writing right. for movies. And Harold Ramis was super involved. I should have probably prefaced up front. Like he he was one of the most involved people of that original crew oh. with this game. I think I've told the story on the show before of like Tell it again. The way I know about how hard Bill Murray is to get in touch with for anything acting related was this game. Like like they basically told me they're like, "Yeah, it's like this payphone and it's not literally this, but it's it's like, yeah, you call this payphone in the middle of Poughkeepsie or whatever and uh, if he picks up he may or may not say yes to you and it's that's an exaggeration but I mean that's yeah, how notoriously hard Bill Murray is he might call you back yes if you right yeah you leave or... a message and that's you leave it. a message and he if he's interested he might call you back and and that's yeah like so he was you know hard to get a hold of and it was we were 
rejoicing when he confirmed that he would be involved with the project, you know, but, but, Yo, uh, okay, I'll do it. but Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, they were, they were on board from the start because yeah. I think, you know, Aykroyd is kind of, he's gone on record now as saying like, this game is the unofficial third movie that they never really got to shoot after mm-hmm. the second Ghostbusters film. And, and in many ways it is, you know, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. One one of the better licensed games just yeah. And that's, bef- that's what I think before, the, you know, the I remember, scenes like, stuff. at the end of the year, we gave, you know, we were working at Games Radar and we were being snarky. We gave this game like the worst game with the best story. But it's like it. It there was a lot of third person person shooters happening at that time. And in that respect, the game didn't really hold up, even though the mechanics were like solid and authentic to what it was like to be a Ghostbuster. But every year during Halloween, I watch Ghostbusters and like I want to play this game again. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't disappoint me in, in in any way. It did when it came out. Instead, it just like emboldens my love of this franchise. Yeah, yeah. And, and I I still have trouble getting through the uh, flooded level of uh, of the Sedgwick. Like I keep getting stuck every time oh, I yeah. restart the game. That's where I get stuck. At Happy this point, Sargassi. I'm ready for a cheat code. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I also feel like ugh. in terms of how the um, God damn it, Dan! You're gonna be so mad at me. The laser gun thingies. The, the how dare you? <laughs> Until you, yeah, in terms of how the proton packs controlled, I feel like Luigi's Mansion does it a little bit better than this game did. Like the feel of it, they they kind of nailed it more, but it still holds up pretty well. Yeah. I, and and, and then that feeling the, of lassoing the ghost, and it's just like it's basically a fishing game in the air. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's that's it how the proton is. pack it is supposed to feel. Is. The the slam yeah. technique is yes. like I, I, the only reason we talk about that PS three exclusive folklore because it was like Pokemon meets Ghostbusters and with like a six axis mechanic where you trapped ghosts um, mm. and, and it's totally so I I want to I can't say this for a fact but whoever remastered it might have tweaked a little more than that because the game feels very playable and I play I played it last year yeah. for a long time most remasters they do they mess with controls because it's very subtle but over the years like game controls have changed quite a bit like you can notice that when you go back and play like a 20 year old 30 year old game you're like oh shit uh they they it's little things right it's like what's that called the dead zone you know in your in the joystick before it actually yeah. starts to activate they'll they'll tweak that stuff for sure yeah, I, yeah. I know it's it it's odd you know because we're old and i'm nostalgic for this thing that's 13 years old but come on uh, but it, it feels like it plays better, and I play this every year almost um, yeah. since it's come out. I love it. Wow. it I love and it. the premise, I do have to point out, part of the genius is you play the rookie, mm-hmm. who is this new recruit for the Ghostbusters, who's a, another schlub. And I say that lovingly because I, I know the guy. Because it's Ryan French. It's yeah, Ryan French. He's... Yeah, I've told this story on the show before. Like He was one of the producers at Vivendi on the publisher side that they're like, hey – I think it was literally like, we need a stand-in for the character model. Can you just come in and get scanned or whatever? And they liked it, the look of it so much, they just ended up using his likeness in the game. Like, he, it's so weird to, how, who else gets to say they've played a video game as their friend and former yeah. co-worker? <laughs> yeah, I still stay in touch with Ryan French, and he's still super proud that he had that opportunity. Like, you know, once in a lifetime, come on, you get to, yeah. you get to be the player character in something that cool, you yeah. know. Uh, also, as long as we're talking about actors who came back, um, this is one of my absolute favorites, I know and I'm be. really surprised he came. Come here, boy. I'll wear you like patch. Uh, yeah, so Max von Sydow <laughs> yeah, is someone in who it. we he's, wouldn't be able to get now. Yeah, he because he's yeah he's passed. But uh, <laughs> they, 
in in a <laughs> flagrant a in a flagrant snub to canon the uh the portrait of Vigo the Carpathian is still intact and it sits harmlessly on display in the the firehouse lobby and you can go up and talk to it and it's quite chatty there are a lot <laughs> of uh recorded Max von Sydow quotes here are some of them over here in the grand scheme, you all must realize these diversions mean nothing. On a river of blood, I will rise. I see the evil of the times to come. They're all juicing. All of Hello, them. Ghostbusters. Juicing? Juicing? Like- they're on the roids? Yes. That's <laughs> yes. exactly what he means. I, I need to point out two things. First of all, Michael, let it be known. You, this is a quote. Rewind this. Michael is glad Max Sedow came. He yes. told us that. Yeah, on I'm show. glad he just. I can't believe he came. <laughs> and then the other thing is, like, I love that this is still a meme. You will see the that that picture, the Vigo picture, like used in internet yeah. memes all the time. Like this really completes the room. Like that's how iconic that picture has become. It's one of my favorite things about the second I mean, the, movie. I, Maybe I, the, I think only, I've seen an adult. Can I realize Ghostbuster 2's flaws? To me, it was just part of Ghostbusters for a long time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because you saw it as a kid. Like and I'm a discerning them. snob, no, 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 so no, no. I, I have issues. I, the last couple of years, no, every time I, I put it on afterwards, and like, fuck this! It takes like 40 minutes to go bust ghosts again. It was like it didn't take this long in the beginning. Yeah. It it has its moments, but overall, it's kind of bad. I, one of my favorite, it, but it did something the game sort of does too, which is it adds new rules to mm-hmm. the universe, which you really yeah. have to be careful with. Like, oh, this is a slime shell around the museum that can only be broken by the, by the power of. Goodwill through the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> whatever. Like. Once you introduce that, that uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, Chekhov's proton stream at the end. Like, yeah. by the way, don't ever touch these, or we'll all die. Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> you can introduce whatever you want into this universe. It's just fun. And, and I, again, I was. I think it's uh, Ghostbusters is finally being recognized as one of those, you know, indelible timeless brands is because like the more my friends that have kids like you ever like meet a kid so young tell me a story i'm like what kind of story like a ghost story i'm like oh shit all kids are kind of intrigued by ghosts in the afterlife yeah why wouldn't this keep going that's why i love ghostbusters that's where i was going with this though is is with the new rules one benefit to that though which is great because it's a first person shooter fishing game at the, at the end of the day but it introduced all these new gadgets that were really fun to use because you're like well you know you're playing a video game you want to feel like you're leveling up your character over time there were it expanded upon and you could tell like this is like dan Aykroyd just sitting there inventing shit you know like oh hey, yeah uh, mm-hmm. what if this does this or whatever you know and it's like yeah they were really fun gadgets to use which felt very much in that ghostbusters universe which is something most of the other games didn't really do that often you know right didn't there was put a much thought into it there was a documentary on the ps3 the blu-ray disc of version right. of this game where oh they they talked like they had Dan Aykroyd and, and they had somebody saying like, yeah, he comes up with all this stuff and how it works and like, oh, yeah, the um, what was, I'm blanking on some of the stuff that was introduced. Um, it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, he, yeah, there's like four modes to the proton yeah. pack with four different uh, weapons or gadgets. He never calls them guns nope. there. You never will hear him call guns. It's equipment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's it because they're they're not. They don't shoot people. They they are scientists with mm-hmm. nuclear accelerators on their backpack. You know, yeah. And I, I, I 
I love I, Dan is the first person I heard to like sing the praises of Dan Aykroyd because to me he his growing up his fandom his celebrity kind of petered out as he did worse and worse movies and then would appear as a serious actor and stuff. But like I love hearing his SNL cast members talk about him and like him talking about his life that his dad was like a paranormal expert or some shit. Yeah, I mean he just it, yeah he always he he, he lived always this. a believer. Yeah, he lived this stuff, and in the stuff he has to say about ghosts, I still think is the most interesting. I I have never seen a ghost, and I've tried a billion times. We just talked about Candyman on thirty twenty ten, but it, it's never worked. But Dan Aykroyd described it as a spiritual echo that is so broken in terms of our realm that it it has an echo that transcends time because it's so grotesque and like that's a really cool notion that's beyond just yeah. like boo i'm from the victorian <laughs> era uh but but like a, a, a something so traumatic to a human life that it leaves a vibe yeah damn dan i love i love that that's a great that's that's just a deeper way to put yeah. it. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and 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 then you, I think you'll all love this too. The funniest thing about it was is that Dan Aykroyd, you know, I wouldn't say like he could probably still be working more than he is, but like he's got tons of fuck you money. He gets paid every time the Ghostbusters logo shows up. Uh, every time he was promoting his vodka, we were we were all working in press, subject to embargoes. Don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. Dan Aykroyd was leaking this game for years. For oh, years. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, nobody yeah. could stop him, and he just kept doing it. It was fucking hysterical. Very the frustrating. I, the one time I did actually get to meet him in full gear mm-hmm. was when I was at Activision. Uh, 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 Robert Taylor, Matthew, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Rob Taylor from the Call of Duty team, mm-hmm. called me up. I was at the office, and he said, you need to get over to the wine stop right now on Pico because there's an Ectomobile parked out front and Dan Aykroyd is doing a signing and he's only going to be there for another 45 minutes. And I said, oh my God, okay. And so I like hung up the phone and I'm racing home and I'm like, Kat, I need you to grab my gear. Like <laughs> this was my own Ghostbusters okay. emergency. We got like, one! I'm so yeah, glad you it was exactly this. that. Only- and at this point, I believed my entire fiction. I was like, She's like, are you going to be able to get... I'm like, of course I can. Yeah, this is what I do. You know, like, uh, yeah, I can get into it, like, a full jumpsuit and boots <laughs> I, I, and I a pack in 10 minutes. And then we have to turn right around and get back out on the wine stop. So I'm running. Like, we get there at, like, two minutes two. And the guy who's closing the... Locking the door is like, you better hurry. I'm letting you in, but you're the last one because you deserve it. Oh, and I'm like, all right. <laughs> you know, I'm running. And my... I'm sorry. My pack is like 30 pounds. Okay. Oh, like, it, there's no... There's no, it, This is no fucking joke. This is a real... Like, I... Kat says that I completely carry myself differently when I'm in the jumpsuit and that I have a swagger that sure. I do not have. And part of it is because my spine is being compressed. Yeah, it's 30... I mean, that's basically strapping a car battery to your back. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's why Marcus Venus really, looks tough because he's... Carrying yeah, 9,000 yeah, pounds of armor I, on it. I, I yeah, am so glad you, you clarified. Only you, Dan, would have to clarify when you talk about going to a signing with Dan Aykroyd and saying, who's in full gear? Because you're like, wait, who? I, I was like, at first I'm like, well, if Aykroyd's doing the signing, maybe he's dressed as a Ghostbuster. But no, you clarified which Dan it was that got all fully geared up. It was yourself. Oh, yeah. Thank you. No, it was yes. me. Dan Aykroyd <laughs> is just there in like, How's it going? I'm wearing a blazer and I'm selling vodka for $60 a bottle, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I buy a $35 bottle of small vodka and he signs it and, you know, says report all ghosts, uh, Dan Aykroyd, and uh, got a photo. There's a photo out there on my Facebook of the two of us together. 
And I, that's I was just like I was over the moon like I like forget it I'll never I'll never get better than that and I'm like well no that's not true because I met Ernie Hudson at a con and I met you know uh, uh, Harold Ramis through the the OXM I got to interview him and I met Dan Aykroyd I think so I, I just I got to find Bill Murray and I'm done you I mean, know I'm I, just for done. what I hear he'll find you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe I just need to leave him a message. Yeah, have a party in the right place, make sure the proper offerings are laid out and he might just show <laughs> up. Right. Let the, let the yeah. monstrous set allegations die down and then I'll it, I'll do well, I'll do the Candyman thing. I'll just say his name 3 times in a mirror. That's how and, it works. You know. yeah. I want to believe you met Ernie Hudson at a convention but he was there for the crow. Like he was just doing the crow signing. <laughs> he, he was there for whatever. I mean, Ernie uh, Hudson. Is he like was a, he was there to make money. That's honestly. like his career. Ernie Hudson he was, was there for whatever. Like it's great. These, yeah. these these conventions. Yeah. Yeah. He was very nice, but it was very clear that to get that photo it was going to be very ten dollars. By the way, you know, not like, knocking him. By the way, he's probably the best part of the crew. He's awesome, the and he <laughs> loves. Yeah, he gives his hundred percent every time. He's great, and I, and I, I do like and, him. And, and I loved him in the. Club. I meant to send send Michael <laughs> this clip it's one of like i think it might be one of Mur- bill murray's last letterman appearances if you don't know bill murray's letterman appearances he usually will Legendary. pop out of an eight foot cake or be dressed like liberace and driven in a rolls royce uh they're all hilarious and he was talking about like yeah i was doing the ghostbusters vo and I'm just like this is really fun and i'm really feeling it again and I and you know I couldn't get the theme song out of my head, and he just described himself walking out of the this Manhattan studio and just like he's just humming, and he just like after like you know thirty seconds he's like, oh yeah, I'm Bill Murray and humming the Ghostbusters theme song thirty years later, and everyone is looking at me like, get over it, pal, get over it, yeah, get over yourself, guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, well, the rest cool. of us would be, what a magical New York moment. If there was fucking, right. like, uh, uh, I, I think that was pre-social media with video. But if anybody caught that, that would be in his obit. That, like, yeah. It would be amazing. Yeah. Get over it. Get over All right. It. Well, we need to wrap this up because we're at, like, 90 minutes right now. Matt said it was okay. It be that long. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. It's your half, buddy. Uh, that's true. Get over it, bud. I will. Um, So we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the new Ghostbusters game, Spirits Unleashed. We'll talk about a bunch of other new releases. We've got Plague Tale Requiem, Scorn, uh, Mario Plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, which we can talk about. Um, It's all coming right after this. Just like Max Cedow. It's coming. Exactly. Exactly. Let me something weird sleeping in your bed. Let me tell you something. makes me feel good. Let's get scratching. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. But I want to talk about good cartoons. Talk I want to talk about, about a good cartoon, a good yeah. experience, a movie I have seen three times. What? What? I've seen three times. Yeah, I've seen it twice already. Uh, that's Chippendale Rescue. What the fuck? I, I'm supposed to be the, like the diehard here. Jesus Christ. 
it, it is, I, does seem like a movie custom made for you though, Chris, because it's like yeah. the sequel to Roger Rabbit. We never. It is. It is Roger Rabbit, and I. I don't say this with cynicism. It's Roger Rabbit for uh, millennials and Gen Xers, uh, yeah. and, and and just because like, you know, I didn't want to spoil things for Michael. I was just like trying to say like, you're not going to see Mickey, and you're not going to see Donald really, but like, dude, there's schnookums in meat. In the end credits, for fuck's sake. I don't think that's been acknowledged by Disney in any way ever, but there's like, they're just boom, there in the end. It's fucking crazy. It, it, uh, some of those cameos that they got. And are the, so, this yeah. is Randy Marsh is in a. Randy Marsh is, Randy in Marsh a fucking, is chilling in the sauna. In a, in a sauna room. I was. I, I got. With uh, two of the three little pigs. Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on patreon.com slash laser time. And welcome back to the second half of our episode where we're just going to jump straight into Wait, Mickel, quick shout out to Dan Amrick who had to bounce, but uh, mm-hmm. Dan Amrick on Twitter, Atari 50th is out November 11th, uh, Hero Falls, Pallet Swap Ninja, everything Dan does is wonderful. Thank you yes. for coming on, Dan. Go Google everything Chris just said. Mm. Um, yeah, especially excited for the Atari 50th. Me but- too. We've got a few weeks until that. Until then, we've got some some new games to talk about that came out this week. So uh, bridging excited. bridging the topic from the the top five is Ghostbusters: Spirits Unleashed. That I texted you guys earlier. Like it feels like something is right with the world that Ghostbusters mm. has figured out video games because this is scoring better than any Ghostbusters yeah. game of all time. Well, Ilphonic, the the Friday the Thirteenth, the game people yeah. have figured out Ghostbusters. It's true. Uh, it's true. But like, it should be treated. You know, this I, I, I keep comparing it to Aliens because, like, there are terrible Aliens movies all the time. Mm-hmm. Most of the Aliens games are fucking great. Great. Yeah. Ghostbusters. Has there been an Ilphonic Especially Aliens Colonial game? Marines. I think there, they did uh, the Predator game. Predator game. Yeah, okay. That's got to be next, right? Like, probably. I mean, like, Alien versus Predators, it, it, it's, I think that name means something more to gamers than it does to moviegoers. <laughs> For and, sure. Like, they should just do a sequel to that Predator game where you play the aliens going after the one ultra power. Anyway, mm-hmm. not to give out free game so, designs. So here. this is, um, yeah, it is a <laughs> asymmetrical co-op, quote-unquote, horror game, in as much as the Ghostbusters can ever be horror. Uh, you are Horrors! playing as Sorry, four Ghostbusters hunting a single ghost. And uh, if, once you've played a few rounds as Ghostbusters, you get to be a ghost for a little while. And uh, so I, I played through so it. Cool. One, one of the nice things about it, you can play through it totally solo if you want, and it does not penalize you for that. You will level up as if you were playing with actual people. You can unlock upgrades to your equipment. It is kind of interesting in that, like, you upgrade your equipment through use or, or you level it up through use. So, like, if you're not using your PKE meter a lot, uh, you, you won't necessarily be able to unlock upgrades with it for it. Um, but it's it's a it's a cool first person shooter as as a Ghostbuster. You are using the proton streams to capture ghosts you know you, you you grab them with the stream and it's sort of like a fishing mini game and that like right. you have to hold it on them for a few seconds until the meter fills up and then you've lassoed them and now you can you can hold them in that for a while but you also have to toss out a trap 
and you can't toss out a trap and fire at the same time. So if you're mm-hmm. by, if you're by yourself and you've cornered a ghost uh, and you don't toss out the trap first, you might have to let them go in the middle of capturing them, mm-hmm. and then they'll run away. This is exactly what I wanted to fix in that Ghostbusters game we called our number one because like mm-hmm. it could have been a more refined shooter. And um, this is such an important aspect. The trapping of everything. It's so cool. Yes. Like a, a two-mechanism kill uh, mm-hmm. for your enemies. And, and it was so... I only glazed a couple reviews, but, like, I'm so happy people fucking dig this. Yeah. I mean, remember remember Friday the 13th? It was like an 18-mechanism yeah. kill. You <laughs> had to, like, knock his mask <laughs> off yes. and yeah. wear a certain a woman, sweater. Put on your mom's yes. sweater. Scare him. Call <laughs> it was, Tommy It Jarvis. was like a cheat code. Like, you, people didn't find that out until weeks in. They're like, yeah, how do you, you kill Jason? What I just done. said in that accent sounds like that's not what you needed to do. But that was like <laughs> it's half absolutely of what you, needed, what you to need to do. Yeah. You have to lure him to his mom's cabin mm-hmm. so he gets depressed or some shit. It's really, it's, it's really yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you have to spoof his therapist's number, so he calls you when he's trying to call them. <laughs> oh, you mean Mr. J. Mr. Yeah. J. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, th- this is just... So you 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 capture them. It's, it's better if you have uh, friends around. Someone else can toss the trap out while you lasso them. If multiple Ghostbusters lasso the ghosts, it's more effective and can keep them held there longer. And then you're just trying to wrestle them through the air and until they're over the trap, at which point they will be sucked into the trap. Now, if you're playing as a ghost, that might not sound very fun. If, as soon as I get trapped, is it game over? No, because as a ghost, you have three rifts in each Ooh. level that uh, w- w- each time that you are captured, you will rematerialize through one of the rifts. Oh, and the I thought you meant like you could like bring up politics or something like that. No, 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 no. Really scare uh, everybody off. The, the <laughs> ghost- you create a rift. <laughs> the Ghostbusters can find your rifts with the PKE meter, and if they find them, they can destroy them, and then you have to try and defend them. As a ghost, You like there are different types of ghosts that you can be. Uh, you are guided through the spirit world by Tobin of Tobin's Spirit Guide, who appears mm-hmm. as his book. Uh, oh, also, this stars Dan Aykroyd and um, Ernie, Hudson. Ernie Hudson. Yeah, I, I should have mentioned that up front. I fuck think we you, Harold Ramis, for not playing along. Yeah, fuck you. I hope you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> Put it out on Twitter. No, I'm sad he's dead. I know, I miss him. So yeah, as as the ghost, you can uh, you can summon minions, you can slime things, and you are trying to. Your goal is to scare people because there's there's civilians running around in each stage, and you can float through them and and attack them to to scare them, and then they'll they'll run off and they'll leave the Ghostbusters bad reviews. Now, as a Ghostbuster, you can find someone who's panicking and run up to them and uh, reassure them by holding down a button, and there's a little mini-game where you have to hit the uh, wow. another button. Once like again, a Ghostbusters a game times. is a business simulation. Like, yes. Please block those <laughs> negative Yelp reviews. Uh-huh. No, you have to, like, don't just settle down, stay here. There's ghosts everywhere. You just, most of them just aren't strong enough to see. I'm assuming getting bad reviews hurts your rewards for if you do catch the ghost Probably. At the end. I haven't noticed anything. Also, there's a property damage uh meter when you're a ghostbuster wow. and I, i'm not sure how what difference that makes Pro- probably don't want to do much of it is, yeah is my probably guess. probably but uh yeah it is and the playing as the ghost is fun playing as the ghostbusters is a lot of fun uh there's like a bunch of different maps you can play on one is clearly like based on alcatraz there's a museum oh and yes it, as the ghost you're not just trying to scare people you are trying to haunt the entire 
map, which you can do like one room at a time and you can actually like go up to objects and expend some of your energy to haunt them. And once you run out of energy, then you have to possess an object and hide in it while your your battery recharges, but like, basically. But not like your your one player is playing Splatoon. I'm sliming everything all around. No, it's not not quite like that. No. Uh, yeah, you're you're trying to avoid the Ghostbusters or slime them. You can sneak up on them and and temporarily disable their proton packs. So, um, yeah. Are these signature ghosts? Like, are you playing as Slimer, the Onion Ghost? Are you playing as the Scolari Brothers? Or are you um, just generic? You're, well, you start ghost? out playing as Winky, who is a ridiculous-looking pink ghost that's covered in eyeballs. And, also, what uh, my mother called uh, our dog's dick. Oh, nice. Welcome. Have, how did I know you were going there? You're welcome. How often did you talk to your mom about your dog's dick mm, back in the I day? Mean, I want to. I want to dig uh, that, deeper. <laughs> dog dicks. Dog had to tell dicks. me to service the dog. It's our family's way. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, but yeah, I think there you can play as Slimer. So yeah, there's a bunch of different types of ghosts, and I think okay. as as you level up as a ghost, you can unlock them. So playable John um, Belushi, love it. Mm-hmm. You want to play as Gozer, you got to buy that DLC. Yeah. Also, I didn't I didn't mention um, while the NES version of that original Ghostbusters game did have like the terrible ending uh, text, the the weird translation with you have proved the justice of our culture. The the Master System version was actually perfect English, but then called the the end boss Gorza, like you have saved the city from Gorza. Like, thanks, oh, someone who clearly starving. didn't see the movie. Really go for Gyoza, yeah. Come on, Gorza. Sorry for that tangent. But, um, yeah, it's it's <laughs> a lot of fun. tangent. <laughs> I, I would say it is probably, you know, it stands right up there with the 2009 game. It, yeah. It's, yeah, cool. it's, it's really good. It feels really good. It's fun. Just glancing at the reviews of things contemporarily, this is one of the highest rated Ghostbusters games ever made. Yeah. Ever made. Michael, did you already say, so like if you play alone, which mm-hmm. that's kind of how I always mm-hmm. play, it just, it just match makes, makes you or you can just play offline and You can play with, offline with AI? with AI partners and AI ghosts. Okay. And how, it, how it is feels the fine. AI? The, feels the, fine? The, the AI yeah. is pretty good. The AI usually beats me to things. Like if I'm trying to like find the rift and I'm just stumbling around with the PKE meter and it's like, oh, my, my partners are on the other side of the map uh, capturing the ghost. I better run over there. And, and also um, if... The who gets the credit for the kill, basically, for the trapping mm. is determined by whose trap the ghost goes into. So it's really? not uncommon for like, you know, the AI, every other AI player throws their trap out at the same time. And then it's just a crapshoot of like, oh, who's trapped? But I, I, I think we emphasize that in the first segment that like, you know, I'm nostalgic for a lot of things. He-Man, Rocco's Modern Life. Mm. But I never wanted that job for me and my friends in a game before. Mm. <clears throat> I like we all grew up loving He-Man. Did you want to be He-Man in a game? What did He-Man actually I, do? I wanted What's to hang job? out with He-Man. Yeah, yeah. That yes. was my fantasy. I'd make my friends pretend to be He-Man, and I would pretend to be myself. That was the only <laughs> anecdote I, I, I didn't say. Like, the first after-school program I went, like, once I was old enough, my parents could go back to work. It was like, hey, you're an after-school program. Come up with a club and get people to join your club. I'm like, He-Man club. And everyone's like, He-Man's stupid. Yeah. Ghostbusters. And I'm like, what's Ghostbusters? <laughs> wow, and that's okay. how I learned what Ghostbusters was being ostracized. Hmm. 
and rejected. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I was rejected for liking Ghostbusters. Mm. Should yeah. have switched schools. Even Two on. years difference, man. That's mm-hmm. all it takes. Yep. Yeah, I love Ghostbusters so much, and it's really great to see them find a foothold in the game space. It really is because, yeah. like, I, I think there was a f- kind of fun mobile game, and there's that been that VR game you can play in certain areas of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh well, they, I think they shut down. After did they? That, that, yeah, <laughs> I know. the thing I did the Star Wars version of, like, uh, yeah, it's I like. It's like, um, remember how, was it Photon or the, the laser tag? There mm-hmm. used to be like laser yes. tag centers. It was like a VR center where you went for a VR experience. But it's oh, like okay. we saw a bunch of people announce like Terminator and Robocop and the Predator games. And it's like Ghostbusters is still more game friendly than all of those franchises. We just haven't found a way to nail it. And it's nice. Even if this isn't perfect, step closer to that. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters yeah, so, game forever. So it's pretty good. Um, I think we've been uh, a group of old guys waxing nostalgic about a 38-year-old franchise what? for probably long enough. And there, there are other games that came out this week that are mostly pretty good. Uh, Scorn, I played some of that. Scorn. It is uh, basically an H.R. Giger-inspired nightmare world. Um, I really enjoyed the first few hours of it where it's just kind of exploration and puzzles. Once... Mm-hmm certain enemies show up and all you have is a bolt rifle that can get off two shots and then has to recharge. It's a little bit difficult because there's, there's uh, combat in close quarters areas with things. So I ended up just kind of like getting up close to these monsters and then like circle strafing around them in tight circles while waiting until I could, you know, punch them with the bolt gun. And it's like, this is, is not great. <laughs> I hear it's only like a six-hour experience total, so mm. it seems like you were in there. Yeah, I know. Bit. I know that there are more better weapons that you can unlock. I just didn't get to that point. There is a lot of grossness. Like Spike you, Lee's you and, mo better weapons. By the yeah, way, yeah, you, you, you encounter like your your weapons are, are living things, and you one of them is given to you by like this thing called the parasite, which. You see it crawling through like vents in this level or something, and then all of a sudden it jumps out and attacks you, and you get attacks you, and you get this first-person cutscene where it it grabs you and like wraps its tail around your neck, and like you're, the world like slowly starts to fade away, like you're suffocating, and then uh, you just like get released and look down, and it like stabs its forearms into your abdomen, hey, and then it's just like you know, hands you a gun and it's like, let's go. <laughs> it's like, all right, I guess you just are going to feed off me now while I run around. And this is somehow beneficial to me because that's the kind of game this is. Hmm. Huh. This had one of my, uh, what do you call it? Like the downside of game pass. Cause this immediately premiered day one on game pass. Mm-hmm. I was having insomnia. I'm up at like three in the morning last weekend or last week. And I, this looks rad as fuck download and then i went to bed and never thought about it again (laughs) yeah it's like if i would have paid for this of course i would have remembered it but Mm -hmm. like i preloaded this thing me too i preloaded it yeah i preloaded it luckily i have the you know unlimited bandwidth because like then i read all the reviews that were like no i've never been so grossed out by a game like this literally has the worst gross out moments i've ever experienced and i'm like Yeah, I don't want to play that. Like, like, it's one of those things I preloaded this thing that I probably will delete at this point because I'm like, I, I don't want to just do be it once, out. Matt. Do it would it take an awful lot for a video game to gross me out because it's like it's I always mean, like, just cartoons, man. One of the things I did this weekend was see Terrifier 1 because Terrifier 2 is oh, in wow. theaters and people are 
allegedly passing out, and mm-hmm. there's been ambulance call- ambulances yeah, called for this movie. They're vomiting. They're pooping their pants. They're eating the poop. They they're vomiting do. the poop. What would what would make me pass out here? Maybe like removing my tooth that hurts. Like that that. Mm. That's the kind of thing that makes me really fucking pass out. But. Yeah, ev- everything that I've read of Terrifier 2 is like, this movie's so fucking awesome, I saw it again, but oh man, that one scene is really hard to watch. Yes. And like, if that's coming can't. from diehard horror fans, you know, that's like, yeah. Oh. And that's kind of what I've heard about Scorn, is like, yeah. these are, the people playing it are obviously horror fans, and they're like, hey, that was kind of hard to get through, and I'm like, look, if you're saying that, I definitely yeah. don't need it, not apply. There, there is one bit that, I, you know, I, I think I described it on last week's show that it's like, I it felt more pity than gross out mm. where like, yeah, you, you find this thing that's like stuck in an egg-like cocoon and then you basically just shove it into a chair, push it around and, and torment it for a while so that you can unlock a door. And it's it's just like, yeah, this stunted, hunched thing that like you have to walk it, watch it as it falls out on the ground and struggles to stand up and then it just sort of like slowly shuffles after you and and but let's be clear this is why I as a innate scaredy cat prefer game horror mm-hmm. I stab you in the leg and then you get that stupid fucking 140p gif of blood flying everywhere mm-hmm. like <laughs> movies have advanced so much further yeah in, in, in terms of bloodletting and grossness uh Games still aren't there yet to make me. The way really you describe like, that puzzle, Michael, is it sounds like that Rick and Morty scene. Like it comes up to you, "What is my purpose?" Mm. Uh, you, you're meant to progress me through a video game puzzle, yeah. and yeah. it just gets depressed and walks away. It's sort of oh like that. Oh my god! <laughs> so it's like, oh, I'm in, I'm in so much obvious pain. What are we doing? Well, you're gonna walk over here. Uh, oh, what's that tube thing? I'm gonna shove your hand into it, and it's gonna get kind of caught with your fingers, and I'm gonna have to try a couple times to get the whole thing in there. Then you're gonna scream and writhe around a lot, and then you're gonna get a little hidden blade grafted to your hand, which you can then uh, shove into a lock, and uh, then get stuck. And I'll just leave you there. Like, Perfect. Yep. Yep. The alternative is you can. I found out like, oh, there's a shorter way to execute that puzzle, which is uh, instead of getting his shell taken off. Uh, you put him in this other machine that just literally scoops him out of the shell in a big gross display, dumps him down a chute, and then you take his arm and it's like, well, I guess I can stick this in the machine. <laughs> so um, Gross. Yeah, it, it is gross, but uh, gross. It, but it's compelling, and uh, I really like the exploration and the puzzle solving. So um, I can't yeah. wait to play it. If you it, have it Game seems Pass, like a, check it out. A really means. great uh, Halloween freebie from Game Pass. So. Mm-hmm. And as the kids would be singing right now, it's Scorn, a big hunk of game. It's got the juice. You would understand that. Oh, Corn Kid. Corn Kid. The Corn Kid, yes. Corn Kid for president of everything. It's Scorn. Every time I read the name now, all I think about is Corn Kid. I love Corn Kid. (laughs) (laughs) It's got the juice. It has the juice. Anyway. Uh, Persona 5 Royal, speaking of Game Pass, came out on Game Pass and on uh, Switch. Switch, a- the big platform everyone has been asking for for mm-hmm. years. So. It's not only hitting all these platforms like, man, Switch users have to decide. He wants to pay 60 bucks or get a $300 Xbox Series X, which this will be installed on this. But, but, but Persona 5 is one of my favorite games of all time. I never finished it, and I always wanted to, especially with this more refined version. 
And which, which adds a bunch of stuff. It adds yeah. a new character and new story arcs that involve said character. Um, yeah, the, it looks like this this is its debut on Xbox Series X specifically. I, I know all this, but I'm trying not to say too much because I work for Sega. I mm. always have to caveat there. But yeah, this is um, it's also on PC Game Pass, so you can, yeah. you can go play it there. So cool. Uh, it, like I said, I. I've played this. I spent over 120 hours on this game. Um, it's the best way to play Persona 5. The new character stuff is great. The extended ending is great. Um, yeah, it's it's really good. I, I put really 80 hours in the original Persona 5, trying to grind even when it wouldn't let me. And I just kind of want to like, all right, I, I know how to do this. I want to start over hmm. five years later. And I don't have to pay anything. It's on Game Pass. Yeah. Wonderful. And I, I love the, uh, it, it still has the best victory music ever with that mm-hmm. street organ. Um, oh, yeah. Which I also, stupidly described as Sesame Street music. <laughs> well, that's where a lot of us first heard that sound. We heard, so. yeah, 70s harpsichords or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to confirm that th- this is the first version to come to Switch is, mm. is Royal. So yeah. the, the yeah. thing everyone's been asking for for years and years is now It's why Joker got version. into the game three years ago. <laughs> Yeah, Strikers did come to Switch. Apparently, the right. the uh, action oh, yeah, RPG yeah. sequel, but that's not the same thing. This no, is this is game. actual Persona Five, which is fantastic. Everyone should play it. Um, I'm also really loving. Speaking of Game Pass, Plague Tale Requiem, uh, sequel to one of my favorite, you know, su- surprise favorites from a few years ago, Plague Tale Innocence. I absolutely loved. Uh, this continues a lot of what made that game so great. You are once again playing is Amicia, the uh, teenage French girl, a, a noblewoman who her brother came down with the mysterious malady. And spoilers for the first game, it's a thing called the macula that gives him extraordinary powers, one of which is he can control rats, which comes into oh. play in this game. Uh, and also is one of the reasons that this game features gigantic fucking swarms of rats at one point when they are first introduced they just like you're exploring these ruins and you hear like this chittering and all of a sudden like one of the walls explodes and a tidal wave of rats just swarms into the room and like you have to run down a hallway with with this thing coming after you and try to find safety Um, there are rules with the rats like they can't go near fire so a lot of the puzzles are figuring out ways to light a path to safety. Um, They're also uh, Mm gluten-free. They won't go anywhere near a bakery. (laughs) That's sure. No, I'm lying. Michael, keep going. Yeah, I I was sure like the Nemesis system, Rat Tech, was going to take the industry by (laughs) storm a couple years ago after Dishonored 2. I'm glad that Plague Tale, they get to keep owning it. Yeah, but it it, it always looks really cool. And it's like, yeah, it it got off to a slightly slow start. I was telling you, like, Oh, here, here's the tutorial where we're going to learn to play hide and seek in a field. And, oh, things are so pleasant. I'm going to, my uh, my little brother's throwing pine cones into the river. I'm going to whip him with my sling so I can learn how to use the sling. And, oh, a little boy's playing with us. Let's go explore this ruined castle. Oh, shit, there's a bunch of crazy beekeepers with axes and they're after us. And, oh, now we're back into town. Everything's safe. Let's go explore. Oh, go see the fair. What wonders await us? Oh, shit, there's, there's mercenaries and rats all over the place and we're wading through hip deep corpses in a plague stricken part of town <laughs> again that's that's the game pass curse mm-hmm. i played michael was very adamant about the first game being like this is probably going to be one of my games of the year and i'm like oh shit all right this shows up on game pass i'm going to play it and then my 
vague recollection impression is uh, go to garden, look at flower, mm. look at shoes. They are tied. <laughs> they, and and I know something picks up eventually, but yeah. it was just so long to get it, to it. it. It eventually becomes a series of stealth sandboxes where you are trying to get around, you know, uh, people often who have torches to protect them from the rats. There's a lot of ways to dispatch them. Like one of my favorites is just a sling to the the head. Like Amicia kills a lot of dudes that way. Uh, you can like an especially devious way is like, oh, this guy's carrying a lantern to keep the rats away. If I target the lantern, it'll go out and he'll just get swarmed by rats and I'll get to watch him being eaten alive. Um, that's always fun. Why don't but, they yeah. just try compromising with the rats? Like, you know, uh, rats can't be reasoned with. They're they're mindless killing machines, as every rat owner knows. Well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah. nice. I don't man. know. I'm, I mean, I'm glad that they've seemed to be continuing yeah. the series yeah, with a good second entry. So far, what I've played is very fun. It's very pretty. Uh, I'm really pleased with the sequel so yeah, far. And, and again, it's like a super interactive, what would you call that? Like narrative-driven game? Like it's mm-hmm. not Until Dawn. It's not a Telltale game. Like you're always it's moving good. your character around and interacting with They're stuff. narrative stealth games, right? Yeah. But, but yeah. with the rat mechanics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, of games that have improved on their second iteration. Mm. I th- is it safe to say I, I think the new Mario and Rabbids is uh, the, my only darn, darn pretty darn good. About pretty darn good. Mario and Rabbids Spark of Hope. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Sparks of Hope. My only complaint about it is is that like at the beginning the first game I'm like I know what I'm doing. Stop telling me what to do. And this game is just like Start. You remember everything about the last one? Like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> you remember how to play, but, but like, it starts games. so fast, and I am absolutely smitten with this game. I love it so much more than I did the original. Like, uh, I, I cannot say enough nice. I, I, I really liked the original, but this is an essential game this year. Mario Rabbit Spark of Hope. My my only uh-huh. complaint about the original was it ran on us a little too long. Where I have to admit, I, I was never really able to finish it because I'm like I I sort of had my fill. Like it's it just true. It started to get repetitive and stuff like that. Whereas, whereas this one, I'm like, I think they must have, have learned that lesson. I haven't well, have what's, not beaten what's, this this game yet. But uh, Maddie, what's the genre of this called? Like I only I call uh, it XCOM turn based turn based tactics turn based tactics. Like yeah. I really think they fuck with that terminology to the point where like if if you could make a subgenre of that all the stuff you can do in between your turn is mm-hmm. crazy you can yep. throw yourself you can uh you can do all this other shit you can slide yeah. through enemies you yeah. can they unlock those combos where you can bounce jumps. off each other to to extend yeah. your range like it, yeah it definitely does stuff with that form like let's let's be honest these are XCOM games like right. all you know they're all Ish. kind of well it does know. it does something that I to the best of my knowledge I, I know of no other tactical game that does this where not only does it get rid of a grid but it gets rid of like even even like Gears of War tactics has it doesn't have a grid but it does have a thing where like you're expending action points as you move a cursor around right. and you can move this far mm-hmm. and then after you mm-hmm. move you're stuck Whereas this is just like, your character has a movement radius, and as long as you don't attack, you can move freely through that freely as much forever. as you want. Yeah. 
forever. You can move. You never have to commit to putting your. That's what I liked about it because, like, I'm once again the stupidest member of this program. Not good at tactical games, but like you never have to commit to like where. Well, how would this line up with this next attack? Like, try it out. You don't right. ever have to commit to it. You can always bring it back. And there's all these moves that don't really cost you anything uh, other than action points. And yeah. well, you you have like you can do like one jump off like a team jump. It's called. You can jump off of another I character. Uh, you can slide and. Mario can unlock a stomp move. Uh, you can, and you can unlock like each character has a skill tree, and so you can unlock, for example, I think Edge can slide into enemies up to three times per turn. Um, Luigi can jump, do a team jump twice, or th- I think maybe three times. Mm-hmm. Mario has a really cool move where he can do a team jump and then uh, fire in midair. So he like you can yeah. you can hit the the fire button when you're jumping, and he will freeze time you can aim at two different enemies because he's got two different guns he will flip upside down and shoot both of them and then land again i i I really like the first one i think this game is essential Mm -hmm. because i I, i'm not a patient person and i'm not very smart and i don't really want to spend the time to be tactical and this game gives you so many ways to fuck with everything Mm -hmm. Uh, i thought it was so neat i was smitten immediately in contrast to the first game, so the first game had this thing where all these characters basically had similar firearms. Like, Luigi has a sniper rifle, Mario has his pistol, yeah. whatever. This one, they all get unique weapons. Like, yep. Rabid Luigi has has a frisbee, it's called the Disruptor, which can bounce between multiple enemies. Uh, the one mm-hmm. that, st- that stumped me at first was Rabid Mario, because he doesn't have a yeah. gun, he just has a pair of gauntlets. And I'm like, well, how much use is a melee character really... And he is now like my favorite character because mm. he can like you can upgrade him a bunch. His his attack actually has some range to it, and uh, you can unlock a thing where he can move after attacking. So like you oh, can shit. just walk up to an enemy, do his attack, and like run off and get to safety. I mean, and that, that that's the thing about th- th- this game. Like, if you haven't been listening to the show for a while, I'm going to bore my co-host by saying I didn't get into RPGs until Mario RPG. It mm-hmm. taught me how to play RPGs. And I still think it's one of the best RPGs because it has all these dynamic things. This, to me, is just like that. Like, encourages experimenting. It's kind of hard to die if you're playing on, me- like, the regular difficulty. Uh, really fuck around. It, oh, I should so- say, full disclosure, I do work for Ubisoft. I did provide these guys with codes, or Ubisoft did. Um, but I, I'm talking about this just in my capacity as the host and of the show. I'm talking about this as, as someone who doesn't like this genre of game. Uh, and I am I am absolutely smitten by this. This is one of my favorite games of the year. And the overworld aspect of it in general, uh, I, I know there was some of that before, but this is utterly charming. And I just want to say it is officially nostalgia. I love Mario Galaxy, and this is dripping with Mario mm-hmm. Galaxy. Oh, yeah. And, and and Star Bits, all the sound effects, the Lumas play a massive, important role in your fucking combat. In your combat. Like, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was so happy. Well, the comparison that I hit is, like, uh, you remember Final Fantasy VII, how Materia worked? Mm-hmm. Where, like, you know, you, you assign Materia to each character, and you can level them up with that character, and then you can hand off the leveled Materia to another character. That's how the Sparks work, which are the, yeah. the rabid Lumas. So you can, 
like eventually each character will be able to have two of them. They have different things like they can augment your attacks with like elemental damage and effects or uh, they can make your character turn invisible. They can give your character and, and, shields. There's a lot of stuff they can and do. And that's my problem with most of these games because like what do I do? I have, to, I have to look at every single configuration. The game's like you can re- reconfigure any character to anything and any upgrade mm-hmm. at any time. Yep. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I can figure it out. I can look up what's the best solution, and I'm not committed to anything. Uh, I'm not like I'm not dooming my characters like I did in Final Fantasy X with the spear grid. Hmm. Or, oh, oh. But I yeah I I, I love 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 and, and, and like I don't have a really good way to articulate this. Um. Having just seen the Mario trailer, and I think we can all say now, like, looks cool, right? Mm. Uh, yeah. Looks great. I think it looks all right. And, like, um, this is, you're getting a glimpse of what, like, a Western approach to Mario looks like in a Mario game. Because, like, Nintendo has kind of kept it as a silent movie and, like, a slash, you know, I don't want to say this pejoratively, but very anime and, like, you know, people talk here. And, like, uh, yeah, it's Mario in a different environment, but feels very 3D uh, three D open-world Mario. The rabbits talk more than Mario, which is a little funny, but... Uh, Do they talk through that, that fucking Roomba character, or...? No, they the rabbits actually talk now. They speak in complete they, they sentences. They do, like the UB minions. I, I, I've seen their dialogue, but they don't seem to be talking as much as, like, somebody's interpreting it for them. I'm not sure... You would know well, no, than... I mean, like the they the the main characters speak in short sentences, but like all the characters that you meet in these different worlds are rabbits, and you know they well they have some voice no, lines. It's, it's the but... characters, the other characters that you meet that I find uh-huh. hysterical, and like this is something Nintendo would never do. Um, in a weird way, it feels a lot like a uh, Mario Sunshine, which had a lot of dialogue. But, like, Mario didn't talk that much, but Peach did. But this is just, like, you'll go to a different land and a guy will start talking and you'll learn his backstory. And they'll make some joke about a thing in the background. There are things to look at. Like, the open world aspect of it to this totally sold me on everything. I am smitten with this game. Smitten. Yay. Uh, I fucking love it. But yeah, the w- the way that it's divided up as opposed to like so the first game did a neat thing where it integrated the battlefields with the world that you were exploring. Mm-hmm. Like you'd be running around exploring and like, oh now we met some enemies and now we're on a grid and we're fighting. Um this one splits the exploration and the battles into two different worlds. So you have like the the open world that you can freely explore and gradually unlock areas and make it bigger and bigger and then when you run into an enemy then you're taken into this bespoke battlefield uh and if you slide into them then you can face like weaker or fewer enemies and if they slide into you then you're facing tougher enemies it's it's neat um yeah it's that the other one you just walked into the arena Mm -hmm. and you knew you you could spot it coming up to you'd be walking through the levels and you're like Oh, that's it's that's that totally aspect that makes me like I, I, like when the first area I went to, I'm like this feels like a carryover from Bowser's Fury, which is like too new to be classic, but like mm-hmm. somebody out here is a real big Mario fan, and oh, yeah. not just it's not just fucking Tanuki suits and <laughs> and and mushrooms, like yeah. it's real good fan service, like the the, well, the reorchestration of the Mario sixty four, uh, uh open world music the overworld music is so good 
Yeah, and it's done by uh, Grant Kirkhope, who's oh, uh, amazing. He's a big, big rare uh, composer, but yeah. there's actually three composers on the project. He's joined by uh, Gareth Coker, who also did music for Immortals Phoenix Rising, and Yoko Shimomura, who is the, the composer for like the Street Fighter games. Nice. Do now, we- this is, it's funny. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just seeing Metacritic reviews and this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this might be next to Elden Ring. Like best reviewed game the of the highest, year, <laughs> the best reviewed game of the year. It's or it's up there. If mm-hmm. it's you know, it's 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 gonna. I mean, it, the reviews aren't finished coming in, but it's it's reviewing yeah. very. I, I guess Persona Five Royal also, but that doesn't count. That's a game from a few years ago. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm so glad you guys are loving it. I'm loving it too. It's it's a really just genuinely fun game, especially if you like tactics games. Um, yeah, I mean the other thing I love about it, and I, I have to go on a road trip soon for business, is it's on Switch. Yeah. I can take it with me. It's, it's portable. portable. Like, yeah, it's more an ad for Switch than anything. Hi, friends at Nintendo. But no, <laughs> it's a, it is always a great selling point. Is it's like yeah, it's on Switch. I can take this with me wherever I want. Mm-hmm. Even the bathroom. I won't tell anyone if you do that, listener. <laughs> but don't don't do that. Clean clean your Switch. Well, you you won't That's know. Disgusting. But um, yeah, they wouldn't tell me. I, yeah. I'm just saying then I'm not going to borrow their Switch. I'm uh, not going to pick up their Switch. Okay. Play your correct. Switch in the Fair living room. The bathroom is for the leapfrog. Gross. It's gross. Well, let's move along to... So, all this Silent Hill stuff that was Boy. announced this week, oh, this man. was like one of the, maybe can, the can I just worst say, kept like, secret on, in on games. On 30 2010, I had to talk about Silent Hill 2 Revelations, the second Silent Hill movie, which is 10 years old. It's sort of the last time the series was addressed. And, and for some reason, they adapted one and three in movies, and this one bombed, and like Silent Hill disappeared forever. And I had to tell people, like, if you like Silent Hill, later this week we're supposed to be hearing something major about the franchise. Well, we've and been I hearing didn't... for months too that like, oh, Konami's yeah, yeah. definitely working on Silent Hill stuff, and it's. I, like... I didn't think it would be this major. It's it's. Well, I, I'm I'm sort of glad they just waited and did all the announcements at once. It was like like kind of yeah, it was like a Silent Hill event, right? So I'll go through the announcements and and some more exciting than others, but lots. There's fucking look. If you were like really lamenting the lack of Silent Hill the last few years, boy, yeah. does Konami yes. have good news for we, you. We've gone um, from no games to four games in a movie. <laughs> yeah, so you're getting if, six seasons in a movie. Mm-hmm. You're getting Silent Hill two remake. That is the thing that Bloober Team is working yes. on. That's the one that everyone kind of mm-hmm. that was a big known secret. I'm I am real curious to to see how that turns out because like yeah, the medium was like this very much feels like a Silent Hill game, but it's also like it's not quite where a Silent Hill game needs to be, yeah. So I'm 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 curious to know, like, okay, how how faithful will this remake be? Are they going to change a bunch of stuff? Is it going to well, be less combat oriented? Now they, they have a, a defined template, and, and, and like again, I'm not a Silent Hill expert. We were talking about that off mic. Like, it's a kind of a big blind spot for me because I mm-hmm. didn't me love Silent Hill one. I watched a friend while high playing Silent Hill two for forty hours. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I played three, and I'm like, I don't like this. (laughs) (laughs) And I never liked it again. 
Mm. And I've previewed it, uh, previewed the games and written previews several times. Never been a big Silent Hill fan. Yeah, but well, I, I, I respect the fan base. Sorry to go through the rest of the announcements. Then for sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, I I, so, I want to say I absolutely love the Silent Hill games, especially Silent Hill Two. Yeah, Silent um, Hill Two is very special. I, I is am, that the that's the most fondly remembered? Yeah, Silent yeah, and yeah. I, oh, yeah. That's the one that I was telling you guys earlier. This might be it. Might be one of the most important narrative games of the last yes. thirty years, and it like, changed the way. Like it, like. Resident Evil changing is a response to Silent Hill 2. Mm-hmm. Resident mm-hmm. Evil, uh, Silent Hill 1 is just a Resident Evil game. It looks like shit. Yeah. But like it was one of the first video games that kind of just leaned into the idea that, like, well, no, these monsters that you're seeing are all manifestations of personal trauma. Mm-hmm. And, like, this goes so much deeper than just you're in a demonic town fighting monsters. Right. There's a Ooh. secret ooze infecting everything. Right, yeah. No. Secret of the ooze. So that's not the only Silent Hill game announced. There's also Silent Hill Townfall, which is a partnership mm. with uh, No Code Studios as the dev. And then Annapurna is publishing this one. So, mm. um, yeah, Konami with Annapurna. And this one is a unique take. Uh, you know, Annapurna, if you've played their games, they... They're kind of art games. I think it's fair yeah. to say Annapurna yeah. makes art games. So. I, I think Annapurna seems like a good fit for Silent Hill. Yeah, they're, they're like a digital devolver that doesn't drink. Mm. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's see. Press F to celebrate Silent Hill F, which is a new spinoff mm. announced uh, set in the 60s in Japan. Really gross um, trailer, by the way. Written by acclaimed Japanese writer Ryokishi 07, who created visual novels like Higurashi and Imineko and I'm sorry if I butchered any of that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a spinoff. It, it juxtaposes on the beautiful ter- – I'm reading from this IGN article. Beautiful and terrifying world and focus on the psychological, supernatural mysteries of Silent Hill. Yeah. Also, really great gross-out shot at the end of that trailer. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, it, like I, I said earlier, like how could a video game gross me out? That came pretty damn close. That one got close. Yeah. All right. Uh, Silent Hill Ascension is a – kind of a different take it's an immersion project uh where participants from around the world will control characters um mm. it, the way it's described here by ign it's like a let's play pokemon but with silent hill it's uh hosted um, by howie mandel and it's one versus a hundred is mm-hmm. that is that the one that's behavior like the dead behaviors by involved people? bad yeah. robot games genvid entertainment and dj2 entertainment hmm. Electric Boogaloo. Uh, Return to Silent Hill is an upcoming movie by Christoph Gans, yeah. the director of so the first Silent Hill movie. What what I said, like we, uh, the second Silent Hill movie is terrible. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, Michael and I used to have to do a bunch of research. Like before video game movies were good. Your Sonics, that Mario trailer looks great. Um, Silent Hill was kind of the best video game movie that ever, the first one was the best mm-hmm. video game movie that had ever been made. It, it still wasn't great, but it was the best video but it was game movie that had ever horror been made. Film, where the second one mm-hmm. isn't. Other than Mortal Kombat, maybe. Mortal Kombat is still... Took a lot, again, I love yeah. Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter now, but they, at the time, they were terrible contemporary movies. Silent Hill wasn't. And uh, the, the guy who ma- who wanted to make Silent Hill 2, and including adapting Silent Hill 2, gets to make yeah. Silent Hill movies. So. Yeah, and and I'm I'm really pleased because I remember reading an interview at the time where he was talking about it, and it's like, well, we have to start here, but the story that I really want to tell is the story of Silent Hill Two, which is the story of Orpheus, yeah. the idea that this man, this this uh, love struck man, journeys to hell to find and bring back his wife. 
makes her take the blue pill. Mm-hmm. Oh, Orpheus, gotcha. Yeah, not gotcha. Morpheus. No, Orpheus. Gotcha. Think yeah. the, what dreams may come. Rob Williams. <laughs> come back with me. <laughs> but but yeah, and like I'd never thought of the story that way. And it's like that's a, actually a really beautiful way to put it. Mm-hmm. And so I really I was rooting for him to be able to make that, and instead they made the shitty Silent Hill three adaptation with Kit Harrington, passed it off to another director. It bombed. I didn't think this was ever going to happen. So like the fact that fifteen years later he's being able to pursue this project finally is kind of amazing, and I really hope he's progressed as a filmmaker since he made that first I'm sure movie. Yes, he he's probably directed yeah. many many. Uh, Hulu commercials at this point. I, I will say Brotherhood of the Wolf was a really fun that movie. That movie is um, amazing. Too long. It was. Sorry, we talked about that a bunch in 30, 2010, because they, they promoted that like that was going to be the new Crouching Tiger movie. And it mm, sort of is, mm, <laughs> if you like mm. French stuff. Yeah. With uh, Mark Dacascos is that, that really cool dude who kicks all the ass. Um, anyway. So, yeah, lots of Silent Hill for you. Just in time for Halloween. Uh, enjoy Silent Again, Hill things. I, I don't like enjoy. Silent Hill, but I went and looked up what Konami has published since Metal Gear Solid Five in 2015. And if you don't um, like... E-Football, Metal Gear Survive, what else? Metal Gear... If you don't like E-Football or PEZ... As it used to be called. In uh, a couple of pro sports titles, in terms of what they brought to the West, it's Yu-Gi-Oh! and Super Bomberman R. Konami has not been able to, like, have a press conference on this level for anything they're announcing for almost a decade. Mm. But we, we've we all made jokes, like, Konami doesn't make games anymore, and they're here, like, here's the stream, here's four, four games in the same trilogy? Again, a lot of this stream was like, and then we also have purchasable statues. I'm like, maybe you should slow down. Yeah. We don't know how good any of this is yet before we spend $190 on your I'm guessing there's some statue. pyramids Well, involved. That, that, that Inu End statue is uh, pretty amazing. I, I know. I want to get I, my I, hands I, on it. Yes. Michael should be streaming from his house next mm-hmm. to that dog yeah. at all times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah. Tons of Silent Hill news. Uh, there was a lot of news over the weekend, a lot of chatter yes. about part of the business we typically don't see. Um, the voice actor who kind of made, I mean, I'd say her voice, uh, Helena Taylor, is the voice of Bayonetta uh, in the first two games. So she yep. fans were upset earlier this year that she was not returning for the third game. And kind of the story as it developed was um, the official line given was, oh, it didn't didn't work with her schedule she put out a series of tweets of video recordings explaining the situation where she said, no, no, it wasn't a scheduling thing. It was a money thing. And basically said that they only offered her $4,000 was their final offer to do the voiceover for the entire third game. Um, this is the Platinum Games working with the Nintendo published title. So, of course, right mm. when people heard that, everyone is irate, like $4,000, that's ridiculous. I, I think you. the minimum for one recording session like a union voice actor is a thousand dollars so you would have to imagine like wait there's got to be more than four sessions for vo i mean i i think that's the benefit we offer here is like i've written dialogue for people for voice acting sessions Mm -hmm. i've never heard of a figure this low so and then here's the thing so later in the week turns out there was a, a bloomberg report that said, well, that 4,000 number might not be the actual number. They were saying she was offered 
at least fifteen thousand dollars to reprise the mm. role, which still not a not ton good. of money. I, I, but, I feel but, like it was what's his nuts trolling her. I do wonder also if you know if the four thousand was actually something like yeah. Once I pay all my people, my agent, uh, SAG fees, etc., etc., I'm left with four four K, and that's nothing. But that's why the story is so funny, and like in like what I think what perspective we can offer here. Because I remember I, I wrote a series of commercials for a prominent voice actor. And it was like, Jesus, I think like tw- two minutes of dialogue. And it was way more than $4,000. So here's here's the report in Bloomberg. What, and this is maybe where the $4,000 figure mm-hmm. came from. In that report, two people familiar with the no- negotiations say that Platinum attempted to hire Taylor for five sessions lasting four hours each. Each session would have been between three and four thousand dollars. So maybe when she mm. says four thousand, she's saying, "Oh, it's four thousand a session." Her counter, and this is where you can see they, they weren't able to come to terms. She wanted a six-figure deal with residuals, which mm. is like that's a that's a big deal. And uh, I, the, I, the residuals know, piece. I'm all for that. Like, pay actors well; they should get residuals. But when 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 she was like, they wanted to give me four thousand dollars for the performance. I'm like, I don't think that's even legal like i uh, like not only do i not think that's who they replaced you with that was the was that made the number scene it is the most prominent voice matching voice actor like she does stuff off screen you'll never hear about for way more than four grand they they hired jennifer hale who is like one of the most well-known voice actors in in games is now the new voice of bayonetta and so that's where at first i'm like wow four thousand then it's like wait there's no way Jennifer Hale is working for four thousand dollars or right. less, right? So that's why that didn't something happen. about the story wasn't adding up. And this Bloomberg report, again, we're getting just we're getting yeah, two something, sides something's to the story. Not correct. But at the end of the day, like I don't want to hear anybody. But is it Helena? Helena? I don't want to hear anybody to her. But do Bayonetta ever again? But also, like this campaign of like they only offered me four grand. Like that's impossible because Jennifer mm. Jennifer Hale wouldn't have stepped to the table for. Four grand. Well, I can say like six figures in residuals sounds like a lot, but I think you could make a case that like her voice is synonymous with that character. Me too. Like, she's an yeah. important she's part of that. Free series. to play hardball, but however, mm. she was like this series has made four billion dollars, and like in what universe? Twenty sixty two? Like what are you talking <laughs> about? Like this has been yeah. a, a very not big seller, a Nintendo exclusive. For a long time, like it's not a huge seller. There's no way this game has made four billion dollars. I think what's fascinating to me about the story is how public and how ugly it's getting. Where you had you had director Hideki Kamiya tweeting that it was quote unquote sad and deplorable about the attitude of untruth, um, and then you Jennifer Hale like weighed in saying, and I think she even acknowledged like. Yeah, I'm in DA, so I'm really not supposed to say anything, but I'll break in DA just to talk about, like, she supports voice actors and doesn't, you know, she would never want to be appearing like she's undercutting anyone else. And she's, you know, just trying to kind of stick up for the situation and, and give support to a fellow actor. But it's like... Situation doesn't need anyone sticking up for him. He speaks for himself. Yeah, I, I support... <laughs> That's a Jersey I support joke. actors in everything, oh but gosh. like... Jennifer Hale is the Tom Hanks, or for younger people, the Logan Paul of the female voice acting industry. (laughs) She doesn't come cheap, and there's no way they gave her $4,000 to take over the role from the original voice actor. That is, I I think one of the reasons she spoke up in one of Helena Taylor's videos. So in in these videos, she's asking people to boycott the game. 
And then she also like I think in like the third or fourth video Good in the luck. series of videos, she's she's like, uh, and the the person calling themselves Bayonetta now they are not Bayonetta. They should never be able to go to conventions and sign anything as the voice of Bayonetta. I'm the voice of Bayonetta. So so you've now we have this ugly situation where it's like the original voice actor pitted against Jennifer Hale, and it's just like this is we're we're seeing all this play out publicly, which is so rare. Yes. As, hmm. You know. I'm going to say, I don't think Jennifer Hale is going to conventions with sitting at a table saying, meet the voice of Bayonetta. Never. Jennifer Hale. I've been to all these conventions for Bayonetta 1 and 2, and it's always this beautiful, huge British lady who has always yelled at me. Always yelled at me. I was going to continue that by saying that it'd be like Tom Hanks going to convention and saying, meet Colonel Tom Parker, (laughs) as if that's his best known role. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And I I, I, like the person who plays Bayonetta is like kind of a model on 17 foot stilettos. And I I, like I've tried to set up shots with her as an interview her. I've never interviewed this voice actor. Wait, that's. That's the voice actor and not like the model. Or? No, no, I've only interviewed the voice mod, the the, the model, and not oh, the voice okay. actor because she's never been around. I was kind of shocked to see what she looked like because like it's one of my favorite performances in video game history. I love her performance as Bayonetta. I don't want anything else. I would pay extra for her voice as Bayonetta, uh, but like this story doesn't pass the smell check. It, it like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and and I don't think we'll ever know the real story because right. as these that's what happens with these things, right? Eventually, mm-hmm. someone's NDA will kick will kick in. There will be some sort of settlement behind yep. the scenes, and we won't hear the real story ever. So, uh, but yeah, while it's playing out publicly, pay attention, folks, because uh, you're you're going to get right? a better seat, a better view behind the scenes than you've ever gotten before. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, speaking of behind the scenes, last bit of big news for the week that uh, bums me out: um, G4 TV. Uh, is shut down less than a year after its relaunch. You know, it was it was revi- the revival uh, that was being run by I guess Comcast was the Comcast owner. Comcast is still the owner of G Four, yes. And they, you know, this is the network behind shows such as X Play, Attack of the Show. Like, I I don't know how many folks watched G Four back in the day. I loved it, loved it. But Even uh, the bad stuff. I can say this, and I think one of the reasons I know it failed is like I was a big fan of G Four back in the day. I probably watched less than 10 minutes of total content from no, its revival I, this time around. As someone like, who I watched just... it all day, and they were ahead of their time, if they if, if they had let, left them alone, G4 would have kept people subscribing to cable, I think. Because right. they were covering games on such a regular basis. But apparently what this was, um, Matt, uh, wrestling fan, uh, Tony Khan, created AEW and there was a the guy who runs Comcast other television division his son wanted to start G4 again and he was fired months ago and like these people were dead in the water dead in the water I don't know that he was fired he left to go run an esports team no he did what 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 is, you know is... rich white people do they, they they go to another million dollar industry yeah we and we had heard of layoffs, and the writing had sort of been on the wall because of that. Like, yeah, the the one person who was really championing it internally at Comcast yes. corporate was gone, and that's never trying to make well it a business. You, and, have and, uh, you know that guy's like, we got to be on YouTube, we got to be on Twitch, we got to have a Pluto TV channel, and all of them were like, 
We're Comcast. Why would we feed into our competition? But they did all that stuff, and that's sort of the problem is, like, they had YouTube. And remember, we were we were talking before they officially relaunched. They were, like, soft relaunching for, like, a year where they would have Twitch yeah. stuff and YouTube stuff. And so I, it was unclear to me. I'm like, well, where, what is this G4 thing? Is it just a YouTube channel? Yeah. Is it actually on TV? I think they had a messaging and a branding problem where we never really knew. Me too. And they were trying to understand the new media landscape, right. which consists of all these other things other than traditional cable TV. Maddie, perfect description. Because but like, it, 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 if they were allowed to live after 2014, they would have figured all this out. But they had to right, figure all right. this out in like six months. Like IGN has had to figure that stuff out over yeah. the years, right? Like people don't go to the homepage of IGN.com like they used right. to. Nobody uh, remembers IG- IGN start. That was the YouTube partnership when YouTube's like, eh, we're, we're YouTube. People are watching us. Maybe we should have an IGN channel. But IGN didn't want to call it IGN. They wanted to call it IGN Start. Mm-hmm. If G4 was still around, they would have been in this mix. But yeah. you missed it. They missed you it. Missed and, it. The, and trying to get back into the media, uh, trying to start a media company this at this point in time is just like. And I, yeah, I love Sessler, Morgan Webb. Uh, uh, Pereira uh, uh, and, and Xavier Woods. Holy shit, yes. Do I not? Yeah, that's them? the thing. They even got uh, like talent that is more relevant to like the, the, they got people who are famous like live live streamers or famous like shoutcasters for esports. They got those folks and it still didn't work and it was just such a bummer because I'm like, man, like I wanted it to work but also it's sort of my I'm partially to blame just like right. anyone else who didn't watch this shit is like if if I wanted it to work and yet didn't consume the content now it's my bad too right like it's right. uh cuz the only thing and, that would and, save and them Comcast would be always owned the name G4 it couldn't go anywhere else it couldn't be Twitch focused it had to be cable focused dooming it dooming it yeah. um yeah. and that, like the the long story short what Everyone is mad about with HBO Max. That's the Discovery problem. And Discovery's like, why are you spending millions of dollars on programming? We just put like morbidly obese people and people with like quadruplets on television. And it costs nothing. And then we get mad ratings. Like, yeah, that's old TV, man. Uh, yeah. Everybody else is out here trying and spending money. <laughs> I, I think that the shitty part, and whenever this stuff happens, it's always bad. But um, mm-hmm. it's how a lot of the talent found out. Like they found oh, out through awful. they found out through the deadline report, yeah. which is you never want to find out awful. you're losing your job through a news report. You know, so yeah, uh, it's it's terrible. I think the talented people, though, you know, just continue to support them and follow them wherever they end up. Folks like Sessler, love Adam Sessler. He's a great follow on Twitter. Um, if you want to see. Literally cranky old man yelling at people all day. Uh, that's a great. I don't. Thing. I don't know. Like I can't get anybody else to follow me on any other platform. So fuck Sessler. Like, uh, <laughs> oh man, that dude, got, that dude got like six figures a year. Like, uh, for 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 tw- two decades. Like I never got that in my my job. Follow me, patreoncom slash <laughs> Follow him with money. Follow us, Jesus. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. Uh, R.I.P. G4 TV. We barely knew you again. Mm. Uh, well, let's move on to the community segment, which is always is segmenting our community. Last week's question of the week was, if not Chris Pratt or Charles Martinet, who should play Mario with with or without an accent? And uh, on com, our database is broken, so we can't access those. Uh, apologies to everyone who did answer there. But 
On the official Laser Time community on Facebook, Daniel Peckham says, I think either Nick Offerman or H. John Benjamin would be a good fit for Mario. They're both... They're both. You'll, you'll have an excuse to do that in a second. <laughs> They're both voice actors and can modulate their own voice when called for. Offerman also has some fantastic acting and comedy skills, and he'd be a great straight man Mario to Charlie Day's uh, comedy relief Luigi. There's also the fantastic stash, but that's beside the point. I can see Benjamin playing the part as well, landing somewhere between the neurotic Rob, Bob Belcher and the laissez-faire archer. I feel like either of them could be would be a better fit than Pratt. Also, and you want to read this part, Chris? Peach. That's who? As Archer. H. John Benjamin. Peach. Peach. Hey, Peach. Pe- Peach. Peach. What? Mushroom zone. <laughs> like, <laughs> so is that mushroom zone? Like like danger zone? No, I, I thought. That's the no, joke. That's it. what it's referencing. You know, what I love about Nick Offerman. What I love about Nick Offerman, in terms of all other actors, like he's the only guy. And in like, if you heard his story about being cast in Parks and Rec, it took forever. No one wanted him on the show, Hmm. especially not in the network. He speaks very slowly (laughs) (laughs) all the time. Like everybody else in comedy speaks fast. Offerman is bring me. Oh, the bacon and eggs. <laughs> like, yeah. like, he would definitely whoa. give off strong Mario does not want to be here mm-hmm. vibes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Probably not the best for Mario. John Benjamin would be funny. Oh, Luigi phrasing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's see. Chris Lee Hosett says, hey, Chris Antista. I didn't read ahead. I'm surprised by that. <laughs> for two reasons. Dude's Italian. And he's Thank super you. talented at voice acting. Yeah. Maybe he'd be a terrible voiceover artist. No. But he yes. never fails to nail a character on the podcast. Dr. Light and Jesse Ventura make me laugh and all, but he has such a talent for finding the subtle touches that make a character unique. Hell, really I'm reading about the Bayonetta voice drama, and they probably just could have gotten him to do it. Antista has real skill, man. I Aww. mean, thank you, but also, like, it, it, like, what I liked about the Mario trailer was the simplicity just... Chris Pratt doing a New York accent. Hmm. Mushroom Kingdom, here we come. Like, it's dope, man. Like, good. You might, might be the only person admitting to liking that. <laughs> Public. Yeah, Did you guys yeah, see I that am. meme I shared with you where, speaking of H. John Benjamin, someone pointed out it sounded just like Linda from Bob's Burgers, Yay! and now I can't unhear that. Yeah, I've seen people doing pretty good Linda impressions to that. Oh my bond, that's what I've been feeling. <laughs> I, I fucking <laughs> John, what's his name? I never mind. Uh, but uh, yeah, I like I suck at voice acting. That's why no one's ever asked me to do it. Hmm. Well, maybe you can do a, a good performance as Jesse Moore, who says, uh, "Hey, Brendan, uh, <laughs> what, what if they uh, what if they did a movie in such a way uh, that any time." There, uh, he's about to talk off the cuff. Uh, some other nope, character not, not starts talking for him. It's anytime a, he's about to talk, he's cut off, not off the cuff. Oh, it's not improv. I, I, I'm scrolling back and forth. Like I have a very small window open. I'm scrolling back and forth. Uh, it's just a huge bit where he never speaks until the end, uh, and it is finally him. And it's 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 Kevin Smith, Snooch. Look, man. 
Most girls don't bring lasagna at work. They just cheat on you. <laughs> Yahoo! Uh, I don't know. They don't crack me up. Or they don't know who they get besides Charles or Danny uh, that would appease the people ranting about it. Ask the 10-year-olds who want, uh, who they want to play Mario. Hmm. What a great statement, Jesse Moore. What <laughs> yeah, do the 10-year-olds yeah. want? Mario will still be Mario in all of our universes. It doesn't matter who plays him in the fucking movie. You know the answer you're going to get is not. It's just going to be some fucking YouTuber. It's like oh, honestly, I was going to say it's going to be Mario because they assume Mario is a real person. No, it's going to be some TikTok never, person. never, never. Like but Mario's voice throughout all this. If you haven't seen the stuff Nintendo has scripted for Charles Martinet to say outside of games, it's abysmal. And then, like, look for Mario 3D World Cat Mario, where they modulated voices. Hello, I'm Cat Mario. I like to climb things. In like, he says, he says Cat bleh. Mario, first off. Cat Mario. <laughs> Watch me eat tacos on Great British Break Off, Bake Off, Mexican Week. Uh, on Twitter, at JeffBTDub says, I feel like Al Pacino could be a great Mario. Great Mario! But not <laughs> any Mario. Al Pacino. I want Pacino dialed to 11. I want great ass Pacino. I want Mario to take his TV set back and yell, <laughs> shut up, Toad, sit down. <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is I want Al Pacino from Heat to voice Mario. Sure. You yeah. ever seen Toad bend over, machacho? He's got a great peach. Mm-hmm. Like you got great pipes, and you got your head all the oh, way up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, full install. Hey, full install says I have zero interest in watching a Mario movie. So the only way to grab my attention would be if Matt Berry played Mario, yes. specifically with outlandishly inappropriate dialogue. We're talking F and C bombs. What cat? Uh, in most sentences, even then he'd be. He, he, I'd probably pass. Yeah, frog and cat bombs. So long, frog and cat Bowser. bombs. <laughs> I I will say his. The role in Book of Boba Fett, n- not good. Barely like, noticeable, get, honestly. You get Matt. Well, it's noticeable, but in it's like you get Matt Berry. Well, you get Matt Berry, and then that's what you do with him. Like fuck mm-hmm. off. Like don't don't hire Bat- Matt Berry at that point. It, like, it is like, funny that like so he was actually in Star Wars, and then there's an arc in Toast of Hollywood about Stephen Toast, his character getting <laughs> cast in Star Wars. <laughs> I think eventually he gets booted out before filming even starts. Yes. Yes, I can hit you, Clem Fandango. Fuck that, Skywalker High. <laughs> <laughs> um, you should read uh, at Dake Coach, Chris. Oh, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. The amount of gravitas he would uh, give such phrases as, It's a me, Mario. <laughs> Okie dokie. <and>, uh, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I'm an oil man. <laughs> uh, would make <laughs> such a shoe in for best actor. And who wouldn't want to read the stories of how he toiled for months as an NYC plumber? <laughs> Don't speak to me when I have my plunger in my hand. Bastard in a basket! Bastard! <laughs> I eat your I fire flower. I eat it up! At David Cubine says, Cubine? I don't know. Uh, Joe Pesci, authentic Italian-American, short, good for understanding the character's mindset. Oh. And he could probably poke his own, put his own spin on the, the iconic yell when he touches <laughs> lava. His has experience in roles where he stomps out his enemies. 
True. <laughs> Henry, what the fuck kind of people are they? Ah, yeah. This guy That's always... Tony Soprano. That <laughs> is not What kind of funny do you think I am? One dog looking one way, one dog looking the other. <laughs> um, I just want the meme of Mario walking into the basement with, like, two Goombas behind him. Uh-huh. Right easy. before he's about to get whacked. Easy, Matt. Oh, you meant the mushroom characters. I meant that. <laughs> yes, I actually meant the mushroom. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> like, Goombas would always kill him. What are you talking about? Well, I, I mean that scene. You know, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. this. Scene. I know, I know. Where he's about to be a made guy. Uh, let's see. Oh, did you really have to leave me with Shy Guy Fieri? Shy My, guy Fieri. The rivalry I have with him and his inappropriate statements. No, it's fine. Uh, let's oh, see. Well. First... I would just want to say the Mario movie looks excellent, not just because of all the great stuff in the trailer, but also all the stuff that was not in the trailer. No cringy pop culture references, nobody twerking, nobody farting, no Kesha songs, no James Marsden. How dare you? Just classic Mario. This is me. Cue the Lizzo. (laughs) I just don't understand this Manhattan of yours. Can't we get me back to the Mushroom Kingdom? I'm having a glow up. (laughs) <laughs> and look, I'm someone who responded to the initial casting news by reenacting Charlton Heston at the end of Planet of the Apes, but people need to chill out about Chris Pratt. He's fine, but if I personally could pick anyone living or dead to play Mario other than Charles Martinet, Captain Lou Albano. I'm sure that's 100% nostalgia talking, but he's the only one that ever felt right to me other than Martinet. If you're going to go with gruff middle-aged Mario, you can't beat Albano. Also, because of him, I didn't do drugs because I didn't want to go to hell before before I I die. die. Uh, And then he responded to himself, just kidding, I did do drugs. (laughs) That's why you're not in hell. Addendum, drugs are the best. Mm -hmm. Do the Mario! Like... Oh my god. Uh, hmm. Can you imagine Captain Lou Albano being the only affordable it- Italian for the Mario production? That's a, a small world. I we gotta were be in. honest, like Captain Lou is fine, but like I even as a kid I'm like, he's not really right for Mario. That's no. the guy yeah, who used to have rubber hire? bands in his face. Dennis uh, 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 Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, there was no one else available. <laughs> like he's the most There's, famous. Is Italian. there a shortage of Italian New York Italian guys in the world? I like put how many rubber bands <laughs> through my cheek? I'm not gonna win an Oscar. Uh, the the correct answer is John Turturro <laughs> as the Jesus. There you go. <laughs> You think I'm like Luigi, some dumb animal. <laughs> I have to die in the woods with Yoshi. <laughs> uh, new question of the week. Um, in memoriam, what's your favorite G4 TV memory slash sketch slash show? Right. I mean, I didn't watch the reboot, and most of my memories of G4 have been replaced with um, the the various... British game shows that they ran after they the, the the first time their video game content sort of went away. I did like Cinematech though. I thought it was pretty cool that there was a TV show that I was dedicated it. to video game cutscenes at a time when like okay, I have disposable income now, so I yeah, but but at the time like they were game cutscenes were kind of inaccessible to me like Right. I, I couldn't afford that many games, and uh, it, was, it was a chance to see, like, oh, here's what this game that I, you know, passed uh, up to buy this uh, other uh, game looks like. RPGs in general were defining themselves in, like, their opening cutscenes, mm-hmm. and oh, it was a sure. venue to just show you that without, like, any fucking idiot commentating over it. Holy shit. Mm. 
So good. Well, we didn't have YouTube yet, so the only idiots commentating over that shit were like on the news. Like, the new game Final Fantasy VIII is out this week. <laughs> Maddie. So, mine isn't related to anything on the network. It's more something that happened to me with someone who was on the network. So, uh, I, in, in one of my past video game job lives, I got to go to the Playboy Mansion for a party. Hmm. And as I'm standing there awkwardly talking to people and in who a I hot tub know, full of semen. Mm-hmm. No, 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 n- near the hot tub, but I was not in the hot tub. Um, I, I met a gentleman. I, I was like, I swear I recognize you. And I'm my memory. If memory serves correctly, it ended up being Scott Rubin, who was one of the original hosts of G4TV.com, which eventually got taken over. Jeff Keighley hosted that uh, alongside Laura Foy and, and Tina Wood. And I was just like, oh, I recognize you from watching you on the TV. You're one of them. They're hosts on G4 mm. TV. So I ended up just like chatting up a G4 host uh, at a Playboy Mansion party um, when, yeah, and I was clearly more interested in learning all about the goings on behind the scenes at G4 TV than anything else. So This is my uh, stupid celebrity pool. Uh, I smoked. No, and, you? And, yeah, yes. <laughs> and so did every one of the G4 hosts. So every time we were at an event, like we would just be outside smoking together. I've I don't consider us friends, but like I don't I don't think they'd recognize me, but like we got used to one another. Mm. Uh, uh uh especially like like Morgan doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> I've met other uh, ones. Like I think I've met Victor Lucas, and it might have been Victor who was at that party. Like Victor, they're they've always been very nice people. But no, a lot no. of the time, you they were like talent. You're like, oh, you're on your talent. I didn't you know what mean. I, mean? I like, didn't mean to say Morgan Webb doesn't like me. Like she was. We were doing a thing, and no, she, she was told like, me she does. She was like, like uh, I had this stalker, and he just poured battery acid down my car, and like it was just like, and you're like, I said I was sorry. Wait, no, no, no. I was like, you should confront him on a on video and like do a thing about it, and like. That's where I was 12 years ago, you know? Mm. Like, uh, mm. you should blow his shit up. And she's like, why would that make him stop? That would just make him a big celebrity. Will, and, like, and, and she was totally right. It. She was totally yeah. right. Um, and, and, and she's <laughs> not, clearly not like me ever since, but Adam Sessler and I still smoke. So uh, uh, he's always been really fun to be around. My mm. favorite G4 thing, it's something... I love talking about it because, like, um, when G4 happened, I couldn't afford cable, but my friend gave me access to her house, uh, and G4 was included. I worked six hours a week at Suncoast, and I would watch G4 all day. I watched a lot of G4. When they started. And, and so the, yeah. the, the, the funniest thing is, and there's no fandom for this, is Portal. Portal was supposed to be the show... We're like, what's going on in the world of MMORPGs? WoW is really cool, and so is uh, Age of Camelot. None of... It's what they realized, like, if you watch Nickelodeon... If you ever watch Nickelodeon Guts, notice Nintendo never gave their games to Nickelodeon Guts. Mm, And and nobody ever gave their games to uh, Portal. And they were supposed to be, like, in 2001... Where you would learn about MMORPGs. Only Asheron's Call gave a shit. So the game, the show went from being uh, about covering MMORPGs to being about being in MMORPGs. 
the guy got sucked into the universe and like talked into all these care. It was so bad and terrible and like it's such a bad idea. But like, you know, you can see how someone would get to the idea of like, let's do a show about MMORPGs. But if if if, if WoW is telling you you can't use their footage, what are you supposed to do? And that's what they figured out. They eventually uh, became a narrative show until they were canceled about being stuck in an MMORPG <laughs> hmm. rather than covering I remember MMORPGs. That. And no one has any record of this. Portal. G4 TV Portal. It was fascinating to watch. But that was kind of what was great about the network is they did have to adapt their format yeah. a lot. And they were pretty good about being like, this doesn't really work. So anymore, the, the, the anecdotes about meeting G4 personalities are reminding me of my own anecdote, which just mortifies me horribly every All time right. I remember it. The story of how uh, of meeting Jeff Keeley. Mm. Uh, so I got uh, invited to a judges event while I was still at Games Radar, and it was something that Jeff Keeley and our departed friend Rob Smith had put together, where like high-ranking editors from various publications would come together and get to preview a bunch of games before E3, and then like you know write up evaluations and judge them and, and give out awards and. Um, I saw this guy in the lobby. He's like, oh, he's tall, blonde. That's Jeff Keeley. And so I went up and was like, oh, hey, Jeff, you know, great show and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so, like, a couple times, he didn't he didn't really respond to me. But, like, you know, a couple times that day, like, I'd circle around and say, oh, hey, Jeff, how's it going? And finally he looks at me and says, I'm Victor Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think Keeley was blonde, dude. Yeah, they, well, they, they look slightly similar. You, you, put, you look at side by side photos; they look nothing alike. Nothing. Alike. No, <laughs> but that is one of my greatest embarrassments as a professional. And and Rob, God bless him, uh, leaned into it and joked about it. Like you know, he apparently heard about it and is like, "Hey, Michael, meet Jeff Keeley," <laughs> gesturing at Victor, who he was talking oh, to. I'm like, oh god, I miss Rob. So god damn. Oh god. <laughs> oops yeah oops <laughs> happens mm -hmm. happens oh well yeah you just put him in his place Mike you're not as famous as you think you are Victor mm. Lucas well it's, I'm just an idiot I didn't know anybody death of a colleague during all this stuff it's like it's like I really miss that guy but more than mm. anything I miss like being paid a ridiculous amount of money not we were not paid well but we were treated no. like first class guests wherever we went. Yes. And um uh I'll never get that again. Never. Mm -mm. Never. Not without paying for it. Um Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. It makes you feel like a much more important person than you are. That you could show up underdressed to a classy party yeah. and like just flash your credentials like, oh right this way, sir. Yeah, like I was invited to the Playboy mansion. Like, are you mm -hmm. sure you want to wear that who farted explosion t shirt? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm on the list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a cool feeling being on the list. Yeah, which I never have been ever again. Uh, so what is your favorite G4 TV memory or sketch or show, assuming you watched it at some point? Uh, let us know. Go to VigiGamePocalypse.com, assuming it's working. Answer into the comments for episode 494. Alternately, you can visit us at the official LaserTime community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer. 
or ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse, and we will read the answers on next week's show. Anyway, that's been our show. Let's go out with some plugs. Matt, if you want to be on the list, mm-hmm. uh, you got to go to patreon.com slash laser time. If you want to be on the Uber list where you, you get your name read out before the show, you got to subscribe at the $20 or more level per month. But if you just want access to a bunch of cool content, $5 is all it takes. $5 to get you in the door. That's cheaper than any cover charge at any place that I know of. That's uh, cheaper than a beer at most places. So yeah, five bucks. That's all you need to do. That's per month. You get access to really cool content. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell them about some of the recent content you've been putting up on the Patreon? Because there's been quite a bit. Yeah, we've been. Um, we did 80s in depth, uh, which we've been doing all summer. Uh, Friday the 13th, and uh, I'm really drunk, so I'm slurring all this. Um, Halloween three, and then we Jr. had the idea, like let's let's finish out Elm Street Nightmare season three uh, with the end of Chucky. So we've been doing that too. Sick of Star Wars. There's a new episode there as well, and uh, everyone wants to do another one. Please listen to Adam at Padukin and uh, Jeremy at Film Heat. Um, yeah, I, I, like my cup runneth over with things to talk about. Me talking about. All right. Well, as always, you can visit us online at VigiGamePocalypse.com. Follow us on Twitter at VGApocalypse. Or follow me personally, why not, at Wikiparas. That's W-I-K-I-P-A-R-A-Z on Twitter. Anyway, that's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. And Jesse Ventura makes me laugh and all. But he has... Oops, I forgot to grab the rest of that comment. He has Seymour! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me grab the rest of that comment. Princess Peach. He has Seymour. Princess Peach, if you gain the rest of the army, then you can have all the Goombas do what you want.